Greetings, and hello, and welcome to the 35th episode of the UU Hawka Show. This is Hannah. This is Sarah. This is Patrick. And this is Joe. So we got our game on and became a UU Hawka Show gaming podcast. We live streamed ourselves playing some. Awesome is there a reason you're crinkling paper right now? Do you guys want to? Oh, I was going to offer. Do you guys want a burger or something? I know you didn't get the Lane White Castle. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> good, all right. Um, is this a bit? <laughs> no, Patrick has the White Castle. Yeah, I, one just so fun enough uh, in our area it is popping. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I was so busy this like this today and yesterday. Like, uh, I'll get into it before the show, but I literally stayed up for a day straight editing a video, and I had no sleep, and I've been so busy with stuff, so it's been. Kind of crazy, and then I had to go to a party, and you know everything. So it's been it's been crazy. I haven't. I had to anything. go to a party. Boo hoo. Well, no, no, it's, it was a family thing. I had to check out the hotel and stuff. And I know. I'm fucking with that. you. I'm fucking with you. Yeah, but it uh, it was it's been really crazy. So I've been super super busy, and I hate my weekends where I can't get anything done. So yeah. All right, Hannah, All continue. Right. Um. So we played. Some awesome and not-so-awesome Japanese-only Yuuhaku Show games. Today we'll be covering the rest of the commentary tracks from the English dubcast and take a deep dive into Yuuhaku Show fandom. You better get ready. Bang. Bang. Okay, so we'll start with um, the Justin Cook solo. We actually covered that last time. Oh, we did. Okay. Surprise! So we'll be doing Justin Cook and the ADR Engineers commentary. So we have Chris Bevins, not Chris Evans. (laughs) How weird, what what a weird twist that would be. (laughs) It would. That's how he started his career. He went from an ADR engineer to Captain America. (laughs) He just starts talking about going to the gym in the in the thing. He's like, "Yeah, I've I've been I'm like this weakling, and I've recently been going to the gym. I think I might do that a lot." And then like later, he's like, "I, I got this, uh, you know, inter- I got this uh, fucking audition for this movie called Scott Pilgrim." <laughs> I, th- I think he would be talking at that time about how he just got done with American Pie and. Was it oh American my god, Pie? you're oh, right. Was another not another well, team not another, not another movie. movie. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, man, I just had to clean up some. Uh, some uh, whipped cream and get off my a dick. hot dog. Yeah, and get rid of a hot dog, so that was kind of weird. But anyways, welcome to the engineer commentary. <laughs> anyway, so Chris Bevins um, was in the first 40 episodes, and he voiced Shishi. And then we have Justin Pate. I don't know how I think he... it's paid. I think it's paid. He... Okay. And then I think he... we should refer to him as Justin Pilates. <laughs> Pilates. And then he um, was in the last 30 episodes. and he Yeah, voiced... he was the ADR engineer for the last 30 episodes. Yes, and then he also voiced Seaman or... Um, the Seaman, Dad. Seaman. <laughs> Matari yes, yeah. the actual name. <laughs> and so, what is an ADR? They are voice directors, um, left hand, and... They also record and help set the levels, and they piece together the tracks. Yeah. And so, um, you also have Yomi, who is voiced by Rick Robertson, who was previously Olibo and Deborah from Dragon Ball Z. And then you have with Cook and Bevins, they mentioned that the um, crew members were more involved. And oh no! Them. The crowd, the crowd members in the dark tournament were like oh, okay. involved, developed characters rather oh. than the ones in the demon world tournament who are throwaway nothings. You know, oh, just okay. like those sagas, actually. Oh, okay. Yikes! Calling people out, Joe. 
<laughs> and then um, Cook also mentioned being recognized at a 7-Eleven and being called out by um, a female voice as Justin and um, and didn't really pay attention until the the voice said it used K and it was Botan's voice actor. Man, imagine that getting rec- re- getting recognized at a Seven Eleven for twin anime voices. <laughs> That'd be and, pretty sick. <laughs> and according to Justin, this was like the greatest part of being a voice actor, being paid to make a woman scream, and men as well? Question mark. Yeah, he, he said, like, yeah, getting paid to make women scream. A- and men? Yes. <laughs> so, it was, so, it was Cynthia it was Cynthia Krantz, Botan's voice, actor who recognized Justin Cook at a 7-Eleven. If I, uh, under, if I think that, yeah, I think that's correct, yeah. Okay. I think these are two separate events, but I might have just, while well, taking the notes very fast, like, she recognized him at a 7-Eleven. I think he got recognized in a crowd somewhere else, and I totally just might have combined them. Oh, I thought for a second it was weird that it was a, a female fan, like some anime weeb that uh, noticed her voice, not like a co-worker. It's yeah, been weeks since I took these notes, so I probably fucked that up, but whatever. I gotcha. No, I'm, I'm with you on that, man, but... I, it's also, like, a funny story. Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I wish Botan's voice would yell at me. <laughs> so, uh, they're at, at the same time as talking about this, they're watching some of the last episodes, and they, ta- they, they like, straight up call out, like, how fucking dumb it is that Yomi pulls back in the fight against Yusuke just to make the fight longer. Like, you can tell that not only was Tagashi unsatisfied with the ending of Yuhaku Show, but so were the ADR engineers and the voice cast. They're like, ah, oh, am I done yet? Uh, you got 12 more lines. I was like, ah. I think there's a general feeling of Yu Hakusho rules. Man, these episodes suck. Yeah, I don't blame them. Sadness. Yeah. So uh, they also mention, I think Shura is shown on screen, and they mention how uh, Aaron, uh, do you guys know how to pronounce this? Dismuke or Dismuke? I think it's Dismuke. Yeah, they, he went from being Shura to Al in Full Metal Alchemist, which is and a fun- pretty big step up. And fun fact, I believe that Justin Cook and Anne Disney are cousins. I think I you're think right. I remember reading that. Uh, we might have even talked about it in a episode long, long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting how Funimation has like some like actual family members working together. So is Shura, Shura's the kid from y- Yomi's Kid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the gotcha. one who may or may not be a clone. I gotcha, because I was thinking, I thought for a second that was Yomi, I was like, wow, how do you voice Al like that? He's the uh, fucking uh, Boba Fett to Yomi's Django Fett. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, did the did they, did they the Al voice actor in FMA go to Brotherhood, or is that a different person? Uh, I think he did Brotherhood. I, I think it's all the same people, no, pretty no, much. No, he didn't do Brotherhood. Really? Was he oh, okay. I'm, so I didn't watch, I didn't watch <laughs> yeah. Brotherhood dubbed, so I don't know. He, I think that was one of the most drawing jarring things about the brotherhood i think in the japanese dub it was consistent they consistently use the same voice actor vocals so when spoilers if you haven't watched full mount alchemist at all al eventually gets his body back (laughs) and in the actual manga and brotherhood he gets his body back as he be like as a either seventeen or eighteen year old, so as he he as he should have aged, um, versus like I think in the anime he got his body back at the point of he was like younger than his chronological age, and so 
I think at that time, Aaron DeSica either moved on other projects or his voice was deemed too low to voice Al. But I, but even though it would have been perfect for like an older teenage Al versus a younger teenage Al, so I don't know what the what the decision was behind there. How um, old is um? How old is um? Are the brothers in that at, at that point? Are they like in their twenties or something? I think they're like I think. It's either 17 or 18 by the end of Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And then Al should be like 16, 17. Just to clarify, we mean the ending of like the main story, not the epilogue part that happens in like the final shots or whatever. Yeah, but that's he, what I meant. Sorry. But I think in the epilogue too, he's voiced by like the same Oh, I bet you're right. I just meant in the, while he was in the armor. Yeah, I bet you're right. I just meant more, I just meant more like just to clarify, hey, there is a distinction here. Yes. Because I think they're in their twenties during that point, right? Mm-hmm. In the epilogue thing, yeah, I think so. Because um, the the like little girl from uh, Shing is like I think early twenties at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, uh, back to the commentary track. They switch out one of the engineers to Evan Jones. Uh, they switch mm-hmm. out one of the uh, people to Evan Jones, who was an engineer. Turns out he was the lead engineer on like audio engineer on DBZ, DB uh, Spiral, uh, Blue Gender, and Fruits Basket. And he uh, describes their recording process, which uh, anyone who's into audio recording or anything will recognize as certifiably early 2000s. Uh, so they record onto a, Mac- a Macintosh G4S, and stuff comes uh, over in Pro Tools. He then matches all the audio to lip flaps, matches environment noise, and uh, previously used to have to manually sync with VCRs when he was working on Dragon Ball. So he was mentioning how the Macintosh G4S was like a major step up. Well, I would have died if I had it that way. I'd be like, nope, not happening. Hey, guess what? I've done that. <laughs> Anyways. That sounds incredibly terrible, and I hope you don't ever do it again. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Like, I was in middle school when I was doing that shit. But, oh, uh, were you like an AV club or something? Uh, Yeah, me and my friends would make videos. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Anyways, so he feels he has to explain Pro Tools because Normies hadn't really done multimedia editing yet because this was the early to mid-2000s where while that was getting more popular because of it being included on more like Macintosh stuff, it wasn't like super widespread that everyone had done it yet. So he mentions a lot of other studios were still doing it the old way, aka using VCRs, and uh, talks about how when they would ingest stuff from Japan, they would get 16 millimeter tape and the original sound effects and music and have to restore them to use in the show, which is pretty fascinating. I'd like to know more about that, but that's definitely not something they would want to talk about on this commentary track because it would get really granular real fast because analog and then digital audio editing is technical as hell. Um, well, I hope they didn't, I hope they, didn't have, they probably had an awful time with Dragon Ball Z then. Uh, the, you mean music. Bo- like both versions? Yeah. Yeah, well, all, like all of Dragon Ball because like all the audio master I think was missing or something. Yeah, not only that, but they also, like, fucking made their own for Z, where, like, they removed all of the fucking Japanese music and just replaced it with weird shit for the American version. Uh, to be fair, I can understand it in that situation, because the, the audio situation was so messed up. It, it's not just that, though. I think they also did it because culturally, Dragon Ball, like, the music of it was very much late 70s, early 80s Japanese TV music and was purposefully old school because they were trying to keep it that way, even into Z. And then when they, like, brought Z over, they're like, we literally cannot have Showa-era, like, fucking, you know, brass music playing when people are fighting. It would sound way too anime. Like, you know, the cheesy anime TV shows like they did in the 70s where they kept all the music? Yeah, it'd be like tokusatsu shit. Yeah, I think, what, so how did they change it? They 
made it like uh, they got yeah, rid of it entirely. Guitars are yeah, they made it more rocking and yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, you like rock the dragon or something. I think that's what they did. Yeah, I think the most famous line is the the episode intro is like or whatever they have for that intro, right? Yeah, well, regardless, they basically hired people to make, like, new metal music. Not joking. <laughs> Which it, is it part actually, of why, you know, Dragon Ball AMVs were always new metal. It was good, though, because I like the aesthetic. The aesthetic sound of the the Dragon Ball is really good. Dragon Ball so, Z when I was a kid. I think Dragon Ball Z, the American soundtrack, if taken by itself, is good and cohesive. But mm. when you try to fit it into the world of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Super, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I, so, thought, I thought the music they did for the the for Frieza, the Frieza arc was pretty good. The no, no, of... no. So I'm saying that it's good, like, if you're just watching Z. But if yeah. you then try to bring it back into the context of original Dragon Ball and Super, which are co- which are connected like aesthetically as is the japanese dragon ball z music it then becomes very obvious that the american music is not of all not at all of the same style mm-hmm. yeah no i agree it doesn't fit in, in dragon ball or super but z it, it worked in yeah at least in my opinion but it doesn't matter they fixed it now it's it's all they all made it weebified now so <laughs> but no yeah. fun funimation's really even went into that in the early 2000s especially with uh with uh like case closed they renamed almost everything in that show a Interesting times. But anyways, uh, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk more about our weebness in a little bit. Yeah, so <laughs> they talk about removing background hiss, crackle, and pop from the uh, Japanese recordings and mention how they had to rebalance uh, the stereo recordings for surround sound, which, like, so that's appreciated because, like, when I watched it when I was younger, I had a surround system. I have not watched it that way since. It's really cool, but it is very much just like a, hey, this is a novelty. But, like, the fact that they went in and did that much work is awesome. I see, but it's, but it's basically just like a mixed down. It's not like a true uh, Dolby digital effects, right? Uh, no, they did some pretty cool stuff. Like, for instance, if I remember correctly, I could be misremembering this because it was more than a decade ago. Yeah. When, like, Jin flew around the stadium, like, you had, like, a surround pan of him, like, spinning around, like, the arena. Oh, okay, so it cool. was mastered for for surround sound then, right? Yeah, it was sick as hell. But like, oh, I thought I thought you meant it was a mix, like a mix down, like a you know the simulated stereo, the simulated uh, surround sound. I think it mostly was very simple shit, but for certain things, they're like we're gonna make this pop, baby. Oh man, no, I want to get a surround system and get that going. Yeah, so Cook says they were, quote-unquote, here five years, uh, and tech had changed a ton between then and then. I wrote presumably between 96 and 2001, and uh, Evan Jones talks about bloopers and outtakes and mentions there's ones that they're not going to release, but, like, they don't mention, like, hey, yeah, we fucking did terrible things. They just mention, like, say, Laura Bailey is hilarious and did a bunch of ad-libs, like, with bloopers and improvs, and uh, they mentioned that previously on DBZ, Vegeta did a rendition of Mama Said Knock You Out. <laughs> Yeah, they also did another a bunch of other outtakes for Dragon Ball Z, but uh, I don't. All think right, they, yeah. Uh, on to commentary two. <laughs> this involved the voice actor Koenma, Elder Taguro, and Toya, and so Bill Townsley voiced Elder Taguro, Sean Michael Teague voiced Koenma, and Dan Oketsu voiced Toya, and so they talked about how. They each got their part, so T, he initially wanted to be Yusuke um, as his first role, so that's what he auditioned for. And the last role that he read for was Koenma, and he mentioned how Cooked liked him, um, 
Especially for Kwan Ma, because he sounded like sh- like Smee from Peter Pan. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I think this is my favorite my favorite commentary track. It's just the B team, but it's so it's so good and interesting, and I love I I love uh, Teague so much. He's he's like so much sounds like so much fun in the in the booth. Yeah, he had he I don't know he was cracking me up throughout this entire thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's like naturally because also his voice. Yeah, is his just voice so... is it's unique. Yeah. I like it. it I think really it's a combination of things. Yeah, for yeah, sure. But- but no, he killed it. I think, uh, in all in all honesty, I think he did a better job at uh, at Kuanma than the original Kuanma. In my opinion, like in the Japanese. Yeah, Japanese Kuanma. Sorry. I think they were going for I I don't know because like I think the Japanese one is kind of like a stock Japanese character trope, while like the Kuanma for the U.S. one was like, okay, how do we get across this Japanese character trope to Americans? Like, so we have to make him like an exaggerated version of that same trope. It's right. good though. I, I like the. Yeah, a lot, no, it though. it is good. It's just like they're kind of going for distinct things. Yeah, no, and and that's going from a guy that only watched the that, that watched the Japanese dub for this entire project. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of regret not watching the dub in a way because there's a lot of cool voices, but you know. Well, you can always go back and watch it. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll 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 I'll, I'll uh, fit, get the audio thing in and I'll dub my voice inside. It's like I watched the dub again. It was good. <laughs> Back to original cast, dude. You should find the fucking like Southeast Asian English dub. Watch that and be like, I found the English dub. It was bad. It was awful. They kept oh, talking to each other like, dude, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, then they talk about Elder Taguro. Uh, he mentions how he did uh, the voice of Baldock first. You know, the man bad who was like, Baldock will eat you! That guy. Oh. Very, very Taguro. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, now that I hear it. Yeah. So his first uh, Taguro line of, of course! He said, like, quote-unquote, that was just a tone impression of the Japanese version. <laughs> uh, Toya mentions that he knew the voice directors before the show. Uh oh, he's sliding into DMs to try and get that show. Oh god, I don't him. think that's the case. Well, oh that, yeah, by the way, like he sounds like much him, more yeah. of a nerd than than Toya. Like Toya sounds like all chill and stuff, and he's very much just like hyperactive in the booth. It sounds like awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, kind of director, uh, T like going for a last name T. So he mentioned how he was worried that he was going to be replaced um, when they had Koenma go from younger baby Koenma to older Koenma, and so luckily he didn't. And to get into character, he thought a BA from A team saying that he didn't want no milk. Do you guys know? What, do you guys know what that is? Yeah, I, I never knew it was A team. I never heard of that. Before. B.A. is Mr. T's character who, oh. like, Baracus. he is terrified of flying, even though he's, like, the toughest dude on the team. Like, he's, like, the physically strongest and the best with, like, firearms and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's terrified of flying, so they always have to trick him to get onto planes. And usually, so he loves milk. So they <laughs> trick him into, they knock him out. <laughs> they effectively fucking drug him every time they want him to fly. And so he'd be like, I don't know, want no milk, Hannibal. You know, and so apparently he would just do that in Koenma's voice to get into character. That's pretty funny. That's awesome. <laughs> kind of weird here. I want. There's got to be recordings of that. That sounds funny. There's probably a ton of them being like, "I don't want no milk, George," or something like that. <laughs> now, now I'm just imagining the A team with uh, George, Koenma, Yusuke, and we'll do Hiei in there for good measure. Perfect. See, good A team. <laughs> 
In the Twilight's actor, he talks about how Justin Cook uh, mentioned that they recorded Shards of Winter uh, during Christmas in 2001 or 2002. Um, Akatsu talks about how he had developed a lot as a voice actor um, between Toya's different parts in the series. And then um, Bill, or Chiguro's voice actor, he talked about how um, Justin Cook asked what it was going to be, or Justin Cook asked him what it was like going from a background character to one of like the main villains of the series. Um, he Bill said that he could tell from Turo's confidence that Elder Turguro had him uh, add a lot more to him and than what he initially gave off and had a ton more malice that was there behind the scenes. Um, Eric Vale who also worked in the series. I mostly know him from One Piece, and I know he voiced someone from Yu Hakusho. Was that Suzuka? Suzuki? I forget off the top of my head, but, like, you all have Wikipedia at your disposal. Look it up. That's true. Um, but Eric, he is also one of the, the voice actor directors, and he directed Bill um, in his fight with... Um, Tagoro's fight with Kuwabara, and... Justin Cook um, asked if this affected how he played versus how um, he voiced when Cook was the director. And Bill said that it was mostly the same because they have developed him so thoroughly in terms of research and character study that it was easier for him to kind of play the character. It was, yeah, it was, it was really cool seeing them talk about like how they had done character development. You know, the idea of like inhabiting a character, like what would your character do in this situation, et cetera, et cetera. And so much role play that they kind of knew what the character was like as a person. And like that is obviously for anyone who does acting, this is like basic shit. But a lot of people don't realize that you have to be able to understand the character improvisationally in order to act as them often, unless you're doing method acting, which is its own problematic set, set of things. But no one's going to method act most shonen series because i'm pretty sure you're not gonna be able to shoot chi out of your hands i don't know joe i i mean i remember the one time i was trying to audition for a uh, kid goku and i basically just walked around naked and hit people with poles all the time you know did you hear about jared leto's new role where he got a japanese sex criminal to have him deliver milk on it from an island uh in order to be able to jump really high in a martial arts tournament against a dude wearing a turban it was very weird so, yeah, that was uh, that that was strange. Yeah, oh <laughs> no, you're first, you know. <laughs> anyway, at first I thought, is, that, like, oh, I is think... this like a real thing? Is this his, his counteract of being mad that Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker? Is that he went all through this? Yeah, I also heard that <laughs> is this the uh, Oscar bait role. <laughs> yeah, I also heard that Scarlett Johansson is joining him in that movie as well. I mean. <laughs> okay okay just re really really quick did you guys see oh god what was it it was a thing of scarlett johansson playing who the fuck were they playing um every every asian character ever <laughs> no it was it was just some new uh oh yeah it was a scarlett johansson uh black widow movie and yeah. i saw someone on twitter post it with <laughs> my asian people this is our black panther and i was like this is the best thing ever <laughs> oh my god <laughs> That's uh, funny. Right, uh, so back to the notes. Uh, Cook mentions that the mid-episode uh, mid break noise was replaced with a cow in bloopers once. You know, just do-do-do-do-do-do. They should have kept it. I Yeah, there should have just been a fucking joke episode of Yu Hakusho, like Ember Island players from Avatar. 
Oh yeah, that would have been hilarious. I'd be down. Like, or maybe they like do an abridged version of it, like uh, ghost stories. Oh God. Uh, so Bevan said Yusuke was dressed as uh, Episode Four Luke Skywalker in the Demon World tournament, which I kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah, he kind of kind of got those 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 Lukey vibes. Yeah, just drinking blue milk and such. Uh, Cook asks about why everyone in the show loses their shirts in the fights, and Koenma's voice actor says it's the Incredible Hulk syndrome. They keep the pants on. <laughs> Imagine one of the, the the animes that is like you rip the pants off to keep the shirt on. It's like, fuck these pants. Uh, that'd be a weird show. Anyways, um, so Cook starts Anyways. talking about... Sorry. Uh, Cook starts talking about psychic photography. Uh, are you guys familiar with what this is? No, not not really. Does this have to do with stand power? Well, that's one manifestation of it, but like, it's the idea that you can take pictures of spirits or stuff like that. And it's mostly debunked, but he's talking about it, like, somewhat seriously during the interview to the point where I was like, oh, no, is he an anti-vaxxer, too? Hey, maybe... Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe. I mean, can you correlate... It's, like, kind of, like, either flat earthers... I feel like a lot of... Some people I met who believe in ghosts also believe in vaccinations. Yeah, hmm. I, I think there's a higher correlation, but I don't think that necessarily dooms him to be like, yeah, man, I use these crystals instead of the measles vaccine. <laughs> no, to be honest, I think I think maybe he just has an interest in it. Like, because I have an interest in ghosts and the spirit photography and all that, the the paranormal, but I'm not sitting here saying, oh, ghosts are real. And like 90, 99.9% of the time, the ghosts aren't real. Patrick, have you ever, I don't know, covered your arm in, like, purple vines and then karate chopped a uh, fucking Instax camera? I did try once at a convention, and I still have to pay off that camera to this day. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, let, a, let, that... let's just say that uh, I became a hermit, and my arm after hitting it became purple, so. Did, you, did it lead you on a trip to Egypt? No, just a trip to the county jail. Damn it. Okay, anyways... Uh, so Quenma's voice actor mentions that the laughs and grunts are the hardest things physically to record because they have to do them in such volume, like so many takes of them, that like, have you guys ever laughed so hard and for so long that you actually got like a major stomach ache or like a major like ab, abs, uh, like ab ache? Yeah, yeah. for yep. sure. Okay. It's to the point where it's like, it literally, it feels like you just split your side open by laughing because... Um, <laughs> you laugh too hard. <laughs> Imagine doing that for your fucking job. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, video game voice actors actually had, like, a major, uh, like, unionization and, uh, I guess, like, contract effort strike because of uh, the damage done by doing video game voice acting because they have to do shit like this, like the grunts and stuff, so much more than anime voice actors. And so, like, I really sympathize. It sounds like we're making a joke, but, like, you can, like, really seriously permanently hurt your voice by doing some of this shit. And the worst thing is a lot of time they don't get paid for it because, technically, it's not reading a line. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, that's fucked up. Yep. But, uh, so, this is, like, a small microcosm of that. I don't think it's the egregious shit that we're talking about, but just, like, get an idea that he wasn't just joking about how hard it was to do this. Um, so yeah, they all mention being sad with the series ending because they, like, they feel that they identify with the characters and that, like, it's a big part of, like, you know, their process up to that point. And, um, Koenma, uh, the guy doing Koenma mentions that, uh, recording from 2001 to 2004 and, uh, 
Cook, uh, in the spirit of men- talking about the difficulties of voice acting, mentions doing two to three minute takes, which in the industry are actually generally considered long takes. And he said he would bo- beat up the booth a lot to get into character. He would just punch the walls. All right, let's go, guys. Brace the glass. Basically. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's some method acting right there. It's got a Jared Cook-o. Jared no. Cook. No. Uh, Coenma compares oh, Justin Cook to the Clint Eastwood of voice acting, saying he's done every role slash job. Pretty much. Do you, uh, one thing I'm wondering is Coenma's voice, has he been anything, been any, in anything recently? I, I know we covered this on an old episode, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Gotcha. I'll, I'll do some sleuthing. Yeah, I'll have to see. I feel like a lot of the Funimation voice actors who have done like the older, older series like DBZ, Yuhaka Show, they're not as common in the newer properties, I think. If they are, I don't know if they're usually the main characters, usually supporting characters, because they either branched off to, like, other major things, like, either they're consistently in, like, the big shows that they have that are still ongoing, like One Piece, or they, like, branched out to do work either outside of animation or even outside of anime voice acting, like, cartoon roles. Yeah, because I'm looking in here, and it doesn't seem like he's done anything. Mm-hmm. The only thing he really has done that's recent, that's really popular, is, uh... Is is Dragon Ball Kai? He played Oob. Mm. Yeah, I that's weird. It's just like it's interesting how voice acting co- companies works. Like because the voice actors do roles that are really popular, and then they eventually gain their own fandoms, and the fandoms kind of help contribute, like if they get a role or not, or what kind of role they could get. Because obviously they want an actor who can fit the role, but it doesn't hurt if they also happen to have a lot of fans either. Yeah. I I think a lot of the... I think besides maybe one or two voices, Mm -hmm. voice actors, I don't really know a lot of people have a giant following. Like, I mean, I I guess maybe... I saw Tom ahead, I know that... um, Wow, I'm having a hard time now. Uh, The guy that plays Albert Wesker, uh, what's his name? Um, Mm. Shit, uh... Well, I mean, I guess obviously Sean Schimmel and uh, yeah. Chris Sabat. <laughs> I know Victor Menunu has a big one. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, Vic, Vic, Vic Rattlehead, I think maybe, ha- has a big following. Um, and yeah, those those three and, uh, you know, the, the other guy I said that played Wesker, I can't remember what his name was. It was Sean something. Not Sean Schimmel, it was like some weird name. But Doesn't it, the guy who played the last Black Ranger on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers have Johnny Young Bosch? Yes, he has a John- pretty good following. Yeah, but he's also, like, done others. I think his mo Yeah, I think it's, like... He's prominent. He mm-hmm. was in the newest um, mo- anime movie. Or not super new, but the movie Promare, uh, which is, like, an anime movie that oh. um, was released in the U.S. in October and recently, for a week or two, got released back in the U.S. this month. But, yeah, he was in it. Yeah, Wait, he was Vash the Stampede too, right? He was. Yeah, well, I'm trying. And peace. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think the the other guy. Um, there's another one. The guy that plays uh, he plays Jotaro and Jojo the dub, and he plays uh, he plays Cree uh, McCree or Cree on uh, Overwatch. Oh, I know who you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I What's forget his, his name? name, but yeah, but he does Troy, a lot of Troy Baker or Troy Barker. No, Troy Baker is another guy. He plays. Uh, but no, he's also oh. famous too, Troy Baker. Troy Baker is every video game character. 
I forgot what what that guy's name is. I'll look it up. Look that up uh, uh, real quick. But it's it's something dumb. But he also was in Fire Emblem as a uh, as um uh as Crom. Mm-hmm. We need like, to get fucking John uh, John Saint John to be more anime voices. He was uh, fucking Duke Nukem in Duke Nukem. Yeah. Oh, Matthew Mercer. That's who his name is. Oh, Matthew Mercer. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. He has a good following, but. Oh, and uh, I guess technically now that uh, the Broly's new voice actor, Jason Davis Frank, is a voice actor, it's technically him now. Wait, did you say Jason David Frank? Jason Davis or David Frank, the guy that plays the, the Green Power Ranger, he does the Yeah, I was about to say, isn't that the fucking Green Power Ranger? Yeah, he voices Broly now. Nice. So, yeah, I say that's a win. Yeah. So, uh, after that, moving on to commentary track three, the writer oh, commentary. Oh yeah, semi-related. That guy, that that guy, that guy's the guy that tried to kill him is getting sentenced this week or something. What? what? I forgot com- about that. Uh, remember that Comic Con shooting, the Comic Con thing where the guy brought a gun? Um, wait, in Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the guy he he was going to try to kill the Green Power Ranger, <gasps> and he's no. getting he's getting sentenced uh, this week, I think, or next week. Oh. That. Uh, Jesus Christ. This is kind of shitty of me, but the first thought I had when you said trying to kill the Green Power Ranger was like, it, he shouldn't have brought a gun. He should have just had a candle that was nearly done. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. Right. So the writer commentary involved, of course, Justin Cook. Um, it also had Jeremy Carlyle, who was a soup scoop, soup. Script supervisor. He got a first look and he handled his, um, decisions on whether something needed to be rewritten or not. Um, John Bergemeyer, he was the former su- script supervisor and he also voiced Karama. Um, there was Jared Hedge, who was the head writer. Um, he, there was like previous discussion about making major changes to make Yohawk Show more marketable. Um, like, Dragon Ball Z, so meaning that they would purposely make it have less depth. Um, but John Hedges said wanted to have the series stay true to the original spirit of the Yuhawk show and make it more accessible, but also have like a very singular, distinct voice. This was basically in contrast to Dragon Ball, which had been dumbed down kind of on purpose because they had to get rid of a lot of references to original Dragon Ball. They also went through a bunch of different writers and were continuing based on the Canadian dubs. Like, Dragon Ball like went through a bunch of different dubs that all had to work together. And so because of that, it did not have a singular voice, different music, all this like weird shit. And so Yu Hakusho, in many ways, was the basis for all later Funimation dubs, like, in terms of, like, quote-unquote, doing it right from the ground up. Yeah, speaking, mm. of, speaking of simplifying, is... Uh... I was never really clear on this, but is is Super Saiyajin and Super Saiyan was that the Super Saiyan like a uh, a uh, was it a, a localization thing that they did or it's it's yeah a it's a localization thing because like Saiyajin just means like Saiyan people so it's Saiyan and so like Saiyan is a direct translation of Saiyajin. I okay so technically it is a trend okay like just like Hamon and Ripple and how they just say Hamon instead. Yeah, Hamon and Ripple are the same thing. Saiyajin and Saiyan are the same thing. I gotcha. Is that why in the bad dubs we have... Watch my... Be careful with my Saiyan people. Oh, the Saiya people? Yeah. Oh, Saiya yes. People. Actually, that's a really good point. So, in Malaysian Dragon Ball, they took the script directly. And if you take the word Jin, it just means person or people. Mm. And so, Saiyajin means, 
like would could be translated really badly as the Saya people, which is exactly how the Malaysian English Dragon Ball dub translated it. Gotcha. Okay, I just want to clear that up just to make sure. But uh, sorry, I'm bad bad at these and stuff. Oh no, it's all good. That's actually interesting to learn. Um, so John was really hype about Jeremy being the supervisor. Um, when John started, he was in charge of stopping the editorial writing drafts in DBZ. Like the idea of like between person to person, it was getting like totally different voices. And so that's what they mean by editorial drift. Oh, editorial drift. Okay. That's, that makes more sense. Um, and so all the script writing was done in-house of animation. Um, Jared, he talked about how he liked writing, um, many of the characters because he loved the cast and their dynamics so much. Um, he had a hard time about having a favorite amongst the main four characters in Genkai, um, because they all had this major development and interesting arcs, uh, how, yeah, he was this edgy, tough guy, there's, like, the sage Kurama, and Yusuke and Kobara were more just, like, the everyman. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, uh, I think Kurama should have been the everyman. Every man should be him. Is the, is that? Yeah. Every man should be Kurama. I got mixed feelings about. I I really like Kurama, but like I think Hunter Hunter has made me realize there's like certain weird things about Kurama that we can talk about later in terms of like how they're like he's so smart and then he does all this stupid shit. Or like Kurama hashtag goals lie to your family about who you are. <laughs> hashtag take over some little boy's body. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the analogous character to Kurama in Hunter Hunter, they say he's smart, and then he actually is. So it's very weird because it's like Kurama Take Two. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, actually, that's a good question about Kurama taking over the body. Did he technically kill the consciousness of that baby in a way? We've talked about this. It depends on the dub, and one of them says they fused, and then the other is like, there's two people there. Right. It's weird. almost as like, or there wasn't one to begin with. Yeah, so, it's, so maybe it's, it's unclear. Like, I see. So maybe like even though technically Kurama was reincarn was reincarnated as him, he wasn't literally the exact Kurama. It's like he just remembers memories. So like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I, uh, I think you've kid. brought this up before. You bring up Jadzia or whatever. Yeah, Jadzia Dax and how how she changes as the even though she, it's technically another person, mm-hmm. the parasite has the memories and is part of her personality as well. That's sort of what I. I'm kind of imagining for Kurama in a way. So yeah, I, I think you brought this up before. No, no, no worries, because like if no one else remembers, then that's all cool. But yeah, that I th- I think that we've sort of like talked about this pretty in depth. That like there are very interesting and different ways to interpret it. Mm-hmm. What do you? What were you gonna say? Oh, just because there's like there are like theories that it's like the what you mentioned mm-hmm. with the deep space sign where it is. Like, the same memories, but different person. But there's also, like, other theories where it is the same soul mm-hmm. in a different body. So, mm-hmm. eventually, the soul turns the human body to a demonic form. So, he is, like, fully trauma and not, like, this split personality. He's not, mm-hmm. like, Schultz sharing the same body with the other original Suichi human soul. I gotcha. So I think it depends. It will, it's really interesting when it comes to fan fiction. What we'll talk about later. Um, I'm hype. So, but yeah, back. To, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. 
So, uh, Cook compares the Spirit Detective saga to the X-Files, which I think is pretty accurate. The idea of, like, Monster of the Week and just like, hey, you know that thing from folklore? Turns out it's real. <laughs> I think that's where he wanted to go, but he was like, nah, let's just make it tournament arcs. Oh. Who would have been the Mulder and who would have been the Scully? <laughs> obviously, obviously, Mulder would have been Yusuke and Scully would have been Kurama. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about X-Files. I don't know. Well, well, actually, I think it'd be a combination where Yusuke and Hiei would be... Would, no, Yusuke, Hiei, and, and Kuwabara would be would be Mulder, and then Kurama would be Scully. <laughs> nice. Where it's like they all have their hot-headedness, and, even, and they have good ideas, and they get function in a way. It's just like, sometimes they do really dumb stuff, and Scully's got to be there to rein them in. Mm. So uh, Cook asked uh, which saga Jared liked the most, and which was most interesting to write, and... Uh, Jared mentions that he liked uh, all all of them for different reasons. Felt the second half of the Dark Tournament after Genkai's death was very strong, and that the Genkai and Taguro story blurring lines of good and evil was like really interesting. Uh, but Jeremy actually says his favorite episode is the last. Um, so it's a good, satisfying epilogue that ties things together. I'm gonna say it's his last because he got he gets to stop working on the show. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, I actually like the last episode a lot. It's a very good episode in a terrible season. <laughs> yeah, it actually was a good episode. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I think for the most part, the episode was good, but the the rest of the season was just come on. Right. Like, it's almost like what would have been like a great epilogue was ruined by everything that immediately proceeded before it. Yeah. It was a sadness. Mm-hmm. And then Cook, um, he asked John about dealing with the themes that were much darker in Yakusho um, compared to what was in DBZ. And so they all talked about in the beginning, it was considered um, that they would switch psychic power to refer to the powers as psychic powers versus spirit energy and demon energy. And I, I wrote a little note saying, like, is this where, like, the very temporary terminology they use where they say apparitions instead of demons and say Genkai's a psychic rather than, like, you know, a conjurer or something like that is from? Because I wonder if that was basically just, like, they had, like, an alternate path the show was going to take with regards to localization and then they turned back, but they had already recorded that part. My, my thinking is that I think it might have been a censorship thing, like, uh... Because a lot of the, because I mean, if you think about it, the spirit stuff, is heavily religious and mm-hmm. contradicts, and you know the all the anime stuff back then were always hesitant in adding any religious things or anything religious based in their anime. So maybe so, it might have been a censorship thing. I think so, but I think it was on their part, like it was preemptive rather oh, yeah, than no, having no, been no, yelled that's, at. That, that's what I meant, like a preemptive self censorship, like the. Like an Ocarina of Time with the blood change. Yeah, I think they basically got the idea from Cartoon Network. They're like, dog, we're going to put you on Adult Swim. They're like, oh, really? And then they started leaning away from apparition and psychic and more into like spirit energy and demons. And then they, they, they just erased the cross. They erased the, the mark through of, the, of fuck. It's like, oh, we can say stuff now? All right, this erases it. All right, well, they see, also. They still kept out the swastika, except on, like, the DVDs. Like, I don't think any... Maybe some of the TV episodes had the swastika, but I don't remember, actually. Probably for the best. Yeah. And so, Cook, um, he asked the other um, the other writers, like, if they had any favorite moments, and some of them answered it. Genkai's death was one of their favorite Jeez. moments. Yeah. Well, yeah, I understand. It's, like, it's very well written. It's, like, one of the most emotional impacts. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just totally, his favorite part is doing that, no, but I felt the same way, I like the emotion of the scene, I don't like her dying. Yeah, it's, it's sad seeing her die, I was like, Her no. die, yeah, she got, like, destroyed. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so another one is Kuwabara talking with Kurama on Genkai's steps, uh, you know, which is basically Kuwabara just explaining, like, hey, here's what's my favorite parts of my life up to this point and just talking about it which is like a really cool simultaneous recap and also just a view into Kuwabara and how he views like everyone's journey together um, and they give a lot of credit to the Japanese uh, original for this moment happening and they said that like this was more a direct translation than them editorializing mm. and then Cook then talked about how Yuko Hakusho just didn't get seven-ish main characters. There was actually a ton of memorable side characters. For example, Chu, Jin, Toya, Kaito, Yanagisuwa, Mitari, and how in order to kind of like give these characters more, even more personality, uh, they kind of give them special quirks like for Chu, they looked up Australian terminology that they could use in his dialogue, and it kind of helped give them almost more like an otherworldly presence. Yeah, like they were trying to go for like otherworldly Australian. Yeah. <laughs> so space Australian then? I was thinking more like spirit Australian, but yeah. Spirit Australian. Oi, mate, we're dead. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then they said they weren't sure where the hell Jin's accent came from, because they're like, it's Irish. I guess. He, like, he but, has, like, not he real. A, he was a redhead with pointy ears. Well, I, I guess it's like, oh, he could be like, you know, me lucky charms. I, I was kind of thinking because uh, Jerry Jewel also has red hair and it's like, I think he's like Irish. Oh. So I think he walked in the booth and looked down, let's go with an Irish accent. <laughs> Lol. So they mentioned that in the US version, they made the George's narrator thing part of the series long uh, thing of him trying to find a better job. Oh, um, that's funny. Rather than just like him being also the narrator. Because like, I think in the Japanese, those were kind of two separate strands of his personality. While in the US one, they're like, no, he's trying to get the fuck out of this. <laughs> he needs a better job. Cool. Yeah. At least a less abusive boss. Yeah. So they based a lot of the characterization on the three kings of the three kings on their visual design because there's very little textual info about any of them. Um, so, but they feel it was actually like really well sketched in the character design, so they were able to pick up a lot from there. I guess like Yomi is the only one who like really you get a good feel for because like Makuro you do, but it's in a late part of the manga and like it's more just her trauma rather than what she did with it. Right. And then like Ryzen, you get almost nothing. 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 Just nothing. Alright. So the final I... commentary you've all been waiting for, the main four. Do you need it? The main four, huh? Oh, no. Go ahead. I just wanted to... I was wondering if I, was... if I read this one. Yeah. Cool. Go for it, man. Alright, so uh, commentary, the main four. So we got Kurama, Kuwabara, Hiei, and of course, uh, Josuke. And, yeah, Yusuke, I know. I'm God damn it. Guys. Uh, uh, so... Uh, so yeah, um, I'm gonna see if I can try to remember the voice actors. All right, so we got Justin Cook, Chris Chris Sabat, mm-hmm. John Bergmeier, John Bergmeier, and uh, Chuck Huber. So who yep. voices who? Uh, well, obviously Chuck Huber is obviously the best TA. Mm-hmm. Got Yusuke as as uh, Yusuke is Justin Cook, uh, Kuwabara as uh, Chris Sabat, and then uh, Kurama as Hamburger. 
guy. Yep, John Hamburger Helper. Birdmeyer Helper. Hamburgmeyer Helper. Alright, so so Kurama, Kurama obviously a lot he basically uh Birdmeyer was like Kurama's obviously a lot prettier than he is and better with plants and a bit smarter. That's up for debate. Uh uh, Kurobar and Chris ba- slash Chris enjoyed recording the train performance scene, which I thought was pretty funny, and was the last person to record in the series on the series, which is kind of sad. Like I know, I guess people don't understand. They'll record in like you know each part, like go through it. Sometimes they'll record different people depending on what time it has, the time they have. So say if Chris was doing Dragon Ball, he'd have to come in at the last, the last minute to do uh, uh, Yu Hawk show if the sessions were available. So. You know, sometimes that happens. You know, it's basic production. I, I find it super interesting, at least. Uh, uh, Chris Abbott... Oh, sorry, yeah. Cook basically started recording in the summer of 2001. I don't remember. Did he make the commentary on 9-11 on this one or the on the first one? I think it was on uh, co- Commentary 5 that he mentions it. Th- this one, he just reiterates that he was working on it since summer 2001. Yeah, and then Chris Abbott wanted to be Yusuke and jokingly complains that Cook made himself it because he was the voice director. like... He's like, he has a giant stack of files. Hmm, who's going to play who? Looks himself in the mirror. I know who's going to play Yusuke. Oh, actually, I, I, think I think he even says something like, what do you call, like, super nepotism? Oh, no, this is actually... <laughs> Chuck Hoover was the one who wanted to be Yusuke. So oh, yeah, like you're a, right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine, like, he, his voice coming out of Yusuke's body? I can see it, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah. I, 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 could, I could see that voice. Uh, yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't know. I think Yusuke's not cool enough, like, cold enough to be, like, the Android 17 voice. I was yeah. about to say, Joe, you can't compare everybody to Android 17. But he's fucking Android 17. Anyways, I know, so I Cook know wanted to be... Cool. standards. Yeah, Cook wanted to be voice. Kurama. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cook wanted to be Karama, which is also weird to think about. I don't no, think that would work that as well. Uh, Bergmeier wanted to be Hiei, which is possible, but would be weird. Mm. Yeah, I could see it. I, I think Huber, though, is like, yeah, I think Huber's nailed it, though. Yeah, at 340, they do the impressions of the characters they originally wanted to be, and it's really goofy with people just being like, Spirit Gun, and shit like that. <laughs> Brother? Just, no. just listen to it. No, it's not like, oh, God. <laughs> God, so uh, Huber recorded episode eight like seven times because there were various edited versions based on them looking for the limit of edginess that Cartoon Network was cool with at the time. Oh man, I would have lost. I would have said fuck it after three. I know. No, it's intense. I, I had to do a bunch of VO, uh, VO work. Like, is it last night technically? Yeah, lo- yeah, last night. Not like during the night time or last night, but. The morning, nighttime, and the sorry, I guess I leave the morning. Sorry, but I had to do a bunch of VO work, and I literally want to die because I messed up so much. And if I had to do that five times, I would have thrown that mic straight out the window. Oh, yes. not gonna lie. But anyways, uh, my nepotism aside, uh, <laughs> the essentially, yeah, that's yeah. But I, I, there's a ton of voice acting. I'm surprised he even agreed to a second time. I wouldn't have, but it's just me. Anyway, so. So Cook showed each of them the character backstories before the show started to give them sort of more insight. So like basically, them... Cook gave them notes about like the entire series before they started. Yeah, because he's a weeb staying up late at night watching Yu Hawk <laughs> show on his shitty fan de- fan translation uh, VHS tapes. But yeah, I have a story about that, but I'll save it for the end. I found a cool article I want to talk about. But mm. uh, yeah, um, yeah, Jeffy, yeah, but uh, yeah, and the good thing is that Japanese VAs don't have that luxury because. Mm. 
you know, all they're given is like the American cartoonists where they're given a drawing, a sketch, and a basic vague idea. Right. And usually they gotta hope for the best. Because usually the series is like ongoing or... Yep. If they just start the series, the only thing they have is the manga. Yeah, yeah the most they could have done would be read, like, where the manga was at that point. Yeah, There's, actually... like, some exceptions to this, like, in terms of Japanese voice acting. Like, so, for instance, JoJo, because it happened, like, literally 30 years late, like, they were able to actually read where everything went. But other than that, you usually don't get that luxury. Yeah, and not to mention they also had all the voice acting for the last, the... Well, the the rest of the arc. So they had the the first Phantom Blood movie. They had the the no one the uses the game. Phantom Blood movie. <laughs> I actually was looking at clips of that. It's sick. Anyways, um, but yeah, one interesting th- insight though with the voice acting is that usually with the usually with like a, like a basic uh, natural was that word uh, the word where it's like in your nation when you're doing it. Basically, if it's your your own like. It's the same country that's doing it, that's dubbing it. So, mm-hmm. like in America, domestic. Yeah, when it's domestically uh, created, yeah. a lot of the times the voice acting is done, and then they they voice they animate around that. Oh. But with anime and different things, they they have to dub over it. So mm-hmm. that's why you know the the dub the the, the dub thing the, the name dub comes out because they're dubbing over it with voicing. So like they're, which I find pretty interesting. So like in the Japanese one, they probably voiced around the animations and the voices they drew around that right uh, in the US. i don't i don't know actually i mean like so hannah or sarah mm-hmm. i guess maybe hannah since you have experience with animation like do you have a perspective on that or um could you um repeat that so in america typically with cartoons they usually will animate the characters with pre-recorded dialogue so they already know like how how to voice the lip flaps yeah (laughs) no how it works with most animation studios is that they'll have a dialogue with a storyboard and Mm -hmm. then from there they'll create animatics which is basically um animated storyboards with some of the dialogue kind of some of the primary mouth flaps already in there and then from there like, they'll do the keyframes, and then the in-between frames will be sent to an outsourced studio, usually, with, in, like, India, Korea, Japan, That's where wherever. you get, that's where you get all those funny, uh, those funny mess-ups and all those weird yeah. frames <laughs> and awful-looking, and yeah. off, off, was it off, uh, off-base characters? Off-model. Yeah. Off-model characters, it's hilarious. Yeah. Do you know if this is similar to what they do in Japan with the original, like, Japanese? They do. It's similar. Okay. Because um, most animation studios in Japan, they do outsource outside to do the in-betweens, but then they primarily do most of the keyframes and most of the, like, um, like, the storyboards and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's very rare to have... Like, an uh, outsourced studio kind of do a lot of it. Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the few, I could be wrong. Like, I think Voltron, the legend- Legendary Defenders, Studio Mir, the Crane studio that they, like, kind of did primarily a lot of the animation is kind of the one that the Korean outsourced studios did a lot more work in comparison to, like, what was done in the U.S., so. Mm. Yeah. That's the same studio that did uh, Avatar, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, both Korra and I think the original too. So nice. 
I just thought of something kind of goofy. So you know how you were talking about like the use of keyframes and then outsourcing the in betweens. Mm-hmm. So have you guys ever seen the Michael Jackson video for Black or White? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. With, with Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Where they do the fucking like morphing in between people. Yes. Uh, I really want to create a bot that just takes keyframes from anime and then does the morphing between things and just oh see God. what nightmare version of anime you get because technically the timings would all still be accurate so we could keep the same sound. Just like, hey, have you ever wanted to see the worst version of Yu Hakusho? Well, here it is. So oh like Animorphs, the animated series? Yeah, I was literally about to bring up Animorphs. Holy shit. Yeah, I basically just want Animorph covers the anime. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I watched the hell out of that, yeah. though. Animorphs, love that shit. I sent a I sent a, a funny uh, image to my my siblings. And it's like it's like which which uh, animorphs uh, animorphs mid uh, transformation are you? And it's like all these guys with weird faces and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Sometimes the animals will be morphed into. I think once one character morphed into a beaver once on the cover, and I just cannot stop laughing because it's <laughs> hilarious. I, I, so I, I, I'm trying to think what are the animorphs. There's a parody one. I think it was... Um, it was Snoop Dogg, right? Yeah, it was Snoop Dogg. That's what it was. Snoop Dogg. That's the one. That was funny. I was listening to a podcast where they were actually talking about the middle stage Animorphs. Like, it's the Comedy Button, which is a pretty famous podcast. But they were talking about quote-unquote middle morphs. And, like, they just went on about it for a while. And I was just like, oh, God, those were all fucking disgusting. They were saying it'd be the ultimate insult to say someone looked like a middle morph. Cause, like, oh, it's just, like, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty offended. <laughs> I think I'm starting to transform right now. Damn. <laughs> no, 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 but, I, no. It's because I have the, I have the, I got these ear things that I'm wearing right now. So basically, oh. midmorphs are furries. Oh yeah. No, no furries look way better than middlemorphs. Oh, so so it's not furry. So it's not like uh, it's not like the the they're not looking like um, uh, what's her name the uh, Koto then right. No, I think that would, they would be more like, um, I'm trying to think of like the word. You, you guys have seen the trailer for the new Cats movie, right? That's a middle Oh, word. Yes, God. Yes, Cats. Cats looks, okay, I know we're going to have a topic, but Cats looks so ridiculous, I have to see it. Like, I don't, who, <laughs> who like, looked at the designs and I'd be like, yeah, that's good, let's do it. Also, the fact that they made them, like, the actual size of, like, proportionally what cats would be to actual, like, yes. furniture, that's just the weirdest thing. And that's I, just why I need to see it. It's, it's I'm not so going to lie, bizarre. I'm going to show up wasted to cats. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna when they cough up hairballs, you're gonna be coughing up lungs. Yeah, yeah, that's what drinking does, I guess. That's, that's what that's that's what it does. <laughs> Anyways, back to the back to the commentary track. Um, he mentions that in the shot they're looking at, Kurama has no butt, aka he's assless, and then he says he has no donkey. And then one of them says, "I think that makes it sound worse, actually." <laughs> um, so Huber mentions that the girls like didn't match their colors well, but that Laura Bailey actually dresses just like Keiko. That's pretty um, funny. Yeah, one of them gets a cell phone call in the middle of the commentary, and the the call is about the opening of Okatron Five Thousand, which is the sick. yeah, which is the studio they then, which is the dubbing studio they then opened. So it's kind of weird that that was that was chill to do at the time. I just think that I just think that's insane. Where it's like. A phone call of something like that is recorded for historical sake. Yeah. It's pretty great. So they talk about Kurama's mom being Genkai, like Kurama's voice actor's mom being Genkai, and how they never actually saw each other at work. Joke that, you know, Justin Cook is her real son. 
that's pretty. Well, you mean you mean Kurama? No, like um, he um, he joked that because Yusuke and Genkai were close, that oh, John see. Justin Cook was actually John Brewer's mom's real mom. Yeah, I gotcha. favorite son. The favorite son. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny though. I, I'm surprised I don't have the same last name. It's probably. Like a remarried situation or something? Either a remarried situation or she was a famous actress of some sort, like maybe locally famous, who didn't want to change her name for business reasons. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because a lot of the times, if you, like, if, like, women who are in, actually, any type of, any type of business, really, they'll just stick to their maiden name because that's what they originally used at the start of their career and it's just good for ending purposes. Make your own SEO. Mm. <laughs> <SEO>. <laughs> it's it's like sorry i can't change my name I, I have to keep my seo it's too strong guys yeah uh so basically they asked them about like what it was like seeing the last time seeing their character and mentions that in dragon ball z this never ended because they just kept on redubbing parts of dragon ball z to bring it back up to the correct standard after all the hullabaloo of the bullshit that was the beginning of dbz um, and they Man. kept on redoing old movies, and they keep on recording shit for the video games. So, like, yeah, Dragon Ball Z never fucking ended. That's a good. That's that's a pretty good secure job. It's like it's like, oh, who are you playing? Oh, I'm doing some one off in Dragon Ball Z. Oh, dude, that's an awesome career. You're gonna be fine. Have fun being here forever. Would you argue that DVZ is like the syndicated ver- is like the anime version of a syndicated sitcom? Or yes. TV show. <laughs> it's the Seinfeld or Friends of anime. <laughs> <laughs> the oh Law and Order SVU of anime. <laughs> no, that's that's Detective Conan. Oh, that's true. Because nice. that's, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, that's actually that's how I describe it to people. Yeah, it's like it's like man, Detective Conan is like it's a thousand episodes. How do you watch it all? Oh, you ever, you ever sit down and watch SVU? It's kind of like that. <laughs> Who's the that's Ice true. Cube? Who's the Ice Cube of Detective Conan? <laughs> Um, obviously it's gonna be, uh, uh, what's it, um, the, the dad, uh, 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 uh Ron Mori's dad, uh, uh, the more uh, Detective Mori, I can't remember what his first name is. It's, it's in the, in the, the Funimation one, it's Richard Moore, but it's different, they changed it, so. Wait, uh, I actually don't watch Law & Order, is Ice Cube or Ice-T in it? I'm not joking. Ice-T. Ice-T, yeah. Okay. Ice Cube. Yeah, I was like, I think it's Ice-T, but yeah. I thought you said Ice... I, I did, I, just, I did, yeah. and then I'm like, wait, I think I'm wrong, let me ask. No, it's Ice-T, you got it right. Well, the second time. The first okay. time I said Ice Cube. Okay, you said, okay, yeah, I didn't even pay attention, I knew exactly. I was like, yeah, SVU, Ice, okay, yeah, no, I didn't know what you're talking about. But yeah, that's, uh... But yeah, no, that's basically how I just treat Detective Conan. But. Nice. Yeah, so if you guys want if you guys want an anime version of uh, SVU, like, you know, watching it off on your board off days, watch <laughs> Detective Conan. I, I'm happy because I, it's, I, I think of it as my soul food, and I'll never run out of it. It's like every time I need to watch something, it's going to be there for me because I'm only like 162 episodes in out of 1,000. So I got some time, and I got a lot of show. Jesus so Christ. I'm, I'm very happy, and there's and the filler is not even a big deal because it's like just episodic, like SVU. So I don't even care. Let's keep going. Nice. So uh, back to the commentary. Chuck Huber then finds out that this is the last episode of You Hawk Show because of the discussion they're having. He's like, "Wait, is this the last episode?" Uh, yeah, he mentioned, like, after realizing that, he mentions seeing an episode with his wife and kids where it turns out his only, the only thing he says is, hmm. Basically, he's like, oh, watch the show I'm on. He, he says, hmm, at the end of the episode, and the wife, his wife effectively said, wow, they pay you for this? <laughs> well, technically, he didn't, because he didn't have to say a line, so he didn't Damn get paid for that episode. 
So uh, Sabat says he thinks that Kuwabara not being in the last season makes the most sense, which is pretty cool that they acknowledge, like, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense for him to have come along. I guess. I mean, to be honest, they could have figured out something to do with him. Like, put him I in think the it would have felt him... forced, though. I guess. I don't know. It's I. Part of me is like, if he was well-written, I could see him doing that. Like, maybe the power-up he got during that Yusuke thing put him over the edge to where it, it like, puts him, like, Vegeta status. Well, yeah, so, he's not hes not a Goku. I just realized the irony of saying that sentence. But, uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I didn't even realize that at first. Like, a VGD status. Oh, he voices him, too. How ironic. So, when you get to Hunter Hunter, the way they bring the Kuwabara along later does make sense. But I'll leave it there. Yeah. But, no, they, they, they more they more than could have fit him in there if they really wanted to. Yeah. I guess if they, if realistically, if Tagashi had more... Had more not had more not uh, more, more not about to die time. Yes, exactly. If he wasn't basically on his deathbed trying yeah. to finish the series, then he <laughs> could have probably put more thought of how to throw in some like Huabara storyline into it. But mm-hmm. no. realistically, he was already dealing with a lot. It's like it's yeah. like I could really write this out, or I could literally just remove him and not One and not and have him. like and having a, a day. Mm-hmm. So. Ah, uh, oh, man, I want to say some stuff about the how they do it in Hunter x Hunter, but it's kind of spoilery, so I'm just going to shut my mouth. Anyways. We will, we will get to it eventually, so keep keep it in your head for now, all right? It's so well, yeah, later. but we'll get to it really far from now is all oh, I'm going to okay. say. Like, really far. Listen, but we, yeah. we, can, we can wait till 2021, dude. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is like 2023. Ooh, Are you fucking ooh. kidding me? How... We, it took a year... It took a, almost a year and a half to Yu Yu show. How many episodes are in Hunter x Hunter? 148. Oh my god. Isn't that the same? And we're also like going... 30 more. Oh, that's true. We're also going slower for Hunter Hunter than we did for Yu Show. Oh shit, you're right. Well, uh, I hope nobody drops out between then and now. I actually okay. think we'll gain some followers, but anyways... <laughs> no, no, I meant, uh, I meant like, cast oh, members. Cast? Oh, okay. uh, I mean, if if people have to leave, then, like, that's their prerogative, but let's talk about this off mic. Gotcha. Can you do me a favor, though? If I ever die, can you guys be really hard on me for leaving the show? Yeah, can't believe that motherfucker okay. left. Yeah, oh please. Just, just be super hard on me. Be like, man, that guy died. Fuck him. No. no, I'm gonna get a black and white video of me at your wake with a bunch of my buddies trying to hold me back and be like, you're supposed to be here for me, God, man. Do it, do it, please. Please, God, film that and do it. I'm gonna put your that in Your mom would will. be really confused, though. I'll have to be like, no, this is in his fuck. will. This is in his no. will. You probably get right in the out. will. I'm right in the will. I'm not telling anybody. I'm gonna have my lawyer write and sing. Don't tell anybody this is happening. I, I'm then going to pay off your high school fucking principal to be like, can't believe that scum is crying over other scum. Guess trash <laughs> attracts trash. And then another guy who speaks like a, a fucking rat will be like, oh, the baby, the And then I'm going to take over your body, and then I'm going to oh kiss, uh... Don't. I, Stop. Kiss, <laughs> anyway. Kiss somebody. <laughs> and then I'm going to fight a bunch of people for an hour and a half. Trying to hunt down this person. Uh, okay, we're, do- we're done. We're done. So. Get egg. <laughs> Get egg. Yes. Okay. Wait a second. So Chris Sabat also voiced Gama and Ryzen. Which I actually did. I didn't really recognize him as Gama, but Ryzen I totally um, recognize as, like, Sabat. I'm trying to hear Gama as Sabat. Because um, all I can remember is... It's my blood. And then I'm like, like, I can't hear anyone's voice of that. Just, it's my blood. 
This goes to show him being a good voice actor. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Hashtag good voice. And finally, Cooper mentioned how one of his fans sent him the Japanese image city of Hie, and he just listened to it without understanding, which is pretty cool. It's like a combination of vocal and song tracks, like where he's just saying stuff about plot shit and then also like singing music. And then he's like, mm-hmm. it was pretty hype. Don't know what was going on. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, hey, 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 gorgeous. I'm Kurama. Yeah. <laughs> and I am going to about talk to you about my love for you. No, you it, was so he it was he. It was he. Oh, he. Okay. So this. Okay. So it's basically the same thing. Hey, beautiful asshole. No. All right. Is it usually like just the songs plus also like a in character dialogue? Because I remember much. I have a fully Cooly one, and they included like in character dialogues either based off the series or from the actual series itself. So it's usually a combination. Yeah. You know the weirdest thing I had a an album I got from a game that had that where it's like mm-hmm. different vocal tracks that the characters would introduce each song. Because oh. it's basically what game? What game? Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So it's an idol. There's supposed to be idols, Japanese idols, that also fight people like in a Persona-esque thing. So, and they introduce all the... I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a link to it. It's, it's pretty hype and weeby. But that's probably the weebiest Nintendo collector's edition I've ever got in my life. Nice. Okay, and that finishes off the commentary track. So like that's the last thing of original Yu Hakusho stuff that uh, we're going to cover for like a long time. We're now moving on to discussion... Of the Yu Hakusho fandom, uh, would you guys want to take a break now, or would you want to just continue straight into it? Because we're only uh, an hour fifteen into the podcast, but we hey, could just run, take a break, take real a quick. Break. Yeah, I'm okay. Gonna- the rest of the commentary now we're going to go more on the fan side of you hawk show and talk about what will be mostly the english fandom since that's the one that at least i'm more familiar with and just to start things off the english fandom for you hawk show is a really large one with most of the fans probably now being in their mid-20s or older since you hawk show came around came out on Toonami around the early 2000s, so it was like prime... Oh, God. Prime when everyone was in middle school or high school, and they just <laughs> tuned in after classes and see what was on since DBZ was popular, Yu Hakusho just came out. As anime had its big... Um, had a big renaissance during that time. Yeah. The early 2000s, that was a good... Yeah, it was a good time. Late 90s, early 2000s had... All the weebs showing their weebness, and and, mm-hmm. and especially with the internet, yeah, the way it it blew up to where it was more web two point esque. Yeah, because that's all the time where a lot of like people our age they either their parents allow them to go on the internet mostly, <laughs> maybe with some supervision, maybe not. <laughs> more, either more or less not than than, <laughs> than yes. And for, for some of... perspective, like the. Uh, Philippines and Brazil, the Yu Hakusho fandom there is like 30s from early 30s to late 30s, and the Japanese fandom is mid 30s to like middle 40s. So it's all kind of tied with the distribution of the series, like when it was 
basically released or available to watch depending mm-hmm. on like, the fandom and where they were. And so a lot of the information that um, we talk about, I did get a lot of help from fanlore.org from their Yu Hakusho page. And they're really great because they kind of break down fandoms for pretty much any show or series or any video game media, fictional media that you may be into. So it's a really great website. You learn a lot and you can't even get stuck reading page after page. So if you have a lot of time to waste, I recommend going to fanlord.org. Um, I'll, I'll have to go there. That one, that's on, that's on my go list and the cutting room floor is another one. I think Joe might have went to that one, right? Uh, I think I know of it, but I don't remember mentioning it at any point. Oh, it's, I thought, I think it's when you talked about it at one point, but yeah, that's a good way to waste time. In the, so in the, in two, around 2005, 2012, Yu Hakusho cosplayers were a pretty common sight at U.S. conventions, since that was like the height of the popularity. They're not as common now, but I personally see like a very occasional Kurama or Hiei cosplayer, and I think as with all shows, there's always kind of like a resurgence um, a popularity either by there's like an anniversary so Yu Hakusho 25th was a two, couple of years ago and that kind of we sparked interest in like with YouTube and social media and basically nostalgia kind of being a huge thing nowadays people kind of look back at older series that define their childhood and prompt people who weren't maybe around that time or too young to look into the series and so in Japan, um, I'm not as familiar, obviously, because I'm not in from Japan. But lucky Japanese fans, um, in for in 2017, they were able to go to Ane Plaza. Um, it's a cafe in Ikebukuro, Tokyo, and they usually partner. I'm not sure if they partner directly with companies or they, they usually throw like anime themed. Um, like lunch menus, so they had like a Yu Hakusho based one, so you can get a Yusuke Don bowl, um, so it's like beef and green onion, and you can get a Kuwabara Omu rice and butter chicken curry, oh, and they're on the so plate. Good. It says Yukina Heart Life. Um, you can get a Kurama Rose Geno- Genovese. Genovese pasta with a salmon rose and a rose rib cake. Yeah, you could get a Dragon of the Darkness Flame Curry. Yeah, that one. Uh, that one you die from eating. So you gotta, gotta, you gotta figure out what you like better: living or having a Hie Dark Dragon Fist. You may need a Jagan Eye to Jigan, handle yeah. this. Yeah, you'll you'll need to get one of those. I mean, you could have a really big dude punch you in the forehead so hard that you can throw the curry back. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think that's the uh, that's the younger Tagoro plate. Anyway. <laughs> if, and then Yukina, she had a frozen candy, which is based kind of off of her, the tears that she cried, and it was like a nice candy parfait. And then Younger to Crow, to kind of play off his power levels, there was an 80% chocolate parfait and a 100% chocolate chocolate parfait. Yeah, that was delivered <laughs> to you by a big bulky man in like short shorts. This is uh, this is go. bullshit. There needs to be a hundred and twenty percent chocolate parfait, or it doesn't fucking count. <laughs> yeah, like literally, just like mur- like murder of chocolate, just like chocolate all over that chocolate, chocolate. It's a drain chocolate from the surrounding candy in order to yeah, like like, more li- chocolate. like literally, just go to other people's other people's uh, 
like uh, food and just like get a syringe, take all the chocolate out, insert it into that parfait, and just chocolate <laughs> that chocolate. Yeah, it goes into the shoulder of the parfait. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you can actually get them to inject it directly into your shoulder, and you can up your chocolate parfait to hundred percent power level. Yeah, and your pants like rip off too. It's weird. And so I want to ask Joe, is this the one that you went to or is this a different? So I went to the 2019 version of this, which had Mm -hmm. a lot of the same things, but then also like the drinks were more elaborate. Like they added more drinks to the menu. Like for Mm -hmm. instance, I got like a sensory purple drink that I'm still unsure (laughs) what the fuck it was because it wasn't grape. It also wasn't Robitussin. So I don't know what it was. So it wasn't purple drink. It was was not purple drink. I hope it wasn't purple drink. (laughs) That would be really weird to be robo tripping in Japan. Um, But yeah, the the stuff was mostly the same with mm-hmm. regards to the food options. Like we got the hie uh, curry, mm-hmm. and uh, or at least I think we got the hie curry. The Kurama uh, rose genovese was there, but like we didn't get it. Um, we didn't get the the don because that's like basic ass food. Because I think they were kind of making like yusuke every man. Yeah, and then uh, they should give you a hamburger if that was the case. <laughs> no, I mean, Donbury, uh, Donbury are very, uh, everyman type thing. And, uh, Oberice is too, but it is kind of like, there's a, there's like a kid-like cuteness to the idea of it, which I guess is why they went with Kurabara. It's like everyman, but like also sort of a kid. Right. And then Kurabara, uh, Kurama has like, you know, like the sophisticated, like, oh, this is foreign. Um, it's interesting stuff, mm-hmm. like the commentary on each of the characters, uh, also, I'm surprised they didn't make Younger to Grow some sort of, like, orange juice-inspired cocktail. They should have. I wonder what they would have for Older to Grow, though. Mm, I don't Spaghetti? Remember. No, it would be, it'd be, like, angel hair pasta, and there's a dead, like, you know, it's like chicken angel hair pasta because it's a dead bird. Oh, uh, I like that. that. That'd be funny. Yeah, it'd be good. They also had exclusive merch. Um, selling at the cafe. So for the 2019, was it in the same, was it by the same cafe, Anime Plaza? Um, I don't, it might have been, I think that might have been the name of it, but like, Mm -hmm. things weren't for sale so much as you had to get them through random chance on buying food items. Uh, So so they have loot box mechanics at restaurants there, that's some bullshit. Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) Damn. Uh, Is that a, is that a common thing in Japan, to have loot box? I think for anime cafes it is, yeah. That's such bullshit, but I guess it makes sense. Based it's on like, the people they're targeting, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like they're they're gonna they're gonna go there multiple times anyways. Might as well give them more incentive to come back even more times. That's I think so I true. may have mentioned this, uh, mm-hmm. but on the episode, but the majority of Japanese fans who were at the cafe were were women. Interesting. Mm. Um, while I think the few foreigners I saw, there was more of a balance. Did you talk to any of them or? Um, no, I didn't really want to bother anyone, and me and Kathy had somewhere to be really quickly afterwards. Do you think it's the nature of, like, cafes, or does it illustrate to, like, what the fandom might look like? I'm unsure. My thought was the cafe thing, just because, Mm -hmm. like, in Japanese culture, going to something, like, dainty like that's not considered very manly. Um, but, like, it's also possible there's, like, a significant amount of female fans for Yu Hakusho, specifically Kurama and maybe a couple other characters. <laughs> no, that's pretty funny, though, that there's even a stigma for going there in Japan. Yeah, it's it's less, like, anime cafes and more cafes at all, because it is like, oh, sweet food, that's very womanly of you, right. is, like, a commonly held attitude. Damn, that's some bad sexism. 
Yeah. No, like, it's it's interesting. Uh, there are shows that you would never guess have, like, very large female fandoms um, mm-hmm. that, like, at least from an American perspective, it's not obvious. Like, I've been watching Zeta Gundam recently, which is a Gundam series from the mid-80s. And, like, I, I've been listening to a podcast where they're exploring a lot of the history around it and how they were blown away. Like, the animators were blown away when they went to, like, one of the... Uh, like Gundam fan clubs at the time to speak and found out it was like 50% female. That's pretty awesome actually. Yeah, it's it is pretty interesting, but that's a discussion a... for another time. Yeah. Um one thing I guess before I actually wanted to talk about in the when we were talking about the, the conventions, uh mm-hmm. did you guys go to a lot of like conventions in this area years um, ago or just recently? Uh since I guess since high school, so... 2010, 2011? Yeah, so maybe almost 10 years, except I haven't been recently within the last two years. I gotcha. Because I I was just curious, because I I went in that time as well, like my first Mm -hmm. convention of anything was 2010, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure, because I don't know what the scene was in Arizona, I know they just moved, Phoenix Comic Con just moved to that... uh, that convention hall, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if there was a big anime thing that was here years before, or there's any anime thing in the early 2000s of some nature that maybe you guys sure. went to. I don't know, because I guess we couldn't have the chance to explore, because we were high schoolers with no allowance and no car, so we couldn't really explore. Yeah. But there's like a huge anime club at our high school, and we knew kids who would go to Comic Con before it became fan fest mm. and then we went to comic con our last our senior year to clarify was... they mean the phoenix comic con not not the one in california yeah phoenix comic fest yes <laughs> yeah it's it's changed names because san diego like suing people so yeah it's, it changed its name like three times it used to be comic fest now it's fan fusion oh, oh, right. what? oh wow they more like confusion am i right <laughs> <laughs> Comic Con sucks, uh, but no, it's uh, it's it's very it's very saddening because I used to like I went to it a lot. I think really the turn I won't go into the random. Just just saying, like the last time I went to it was when it was the last Comic Con. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of saddening, I guess, in a way. Yeah, but I mean, there's also the more anime focused smaller cons. Like even if it's not anime, there's like comic based ones are becoming more and more popular. Like Taiyokan, and there was a Sabo, right? Sabo. And there's one of those for just comics in January, like late January. I'm trying to remember what the name was. Ace. I think that Ace. one's like. Mm-hmm. I think that's corporate, like the that's, really. That's, that's corporate. Um, it's owned by the San Diego Comic Con. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, I did not know that at all. Wow. Or it's affiliated with it because they get big names like Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, they got to. I think the the one before that they. My friend said he went to it. They got mm-hmm. some Star Wars person. They said an autograph was like eight hundred dollars or something. Ooh. Nice. So yeah, it's uh, it's really pricey for autographs for really famous people. Uh, mm-hmm. Believe it or actually not, Baby Yoda. But yeah, ba- <laughs> Bappy Yoda. They had a Bappy Yoda booth. And actually, yeah. Joe, it's actually called the Child. I mean, you got to get it right. It's not Yoda as a baby. No, I'm not dumb. The Child. <laughs> That's actually the official name I of it. Is I, the I believe you. I believe you. It's just so goofy just hearing that phrase. Baby yeah. Yoda. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if it's if it's not from Yoda Stan, it's not actually Yoda. It's Sparkling Baby. Yeah, I, I prefer the term Bappy Yoda. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So back to fan fiction. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just want to bring that, that thing up just to um, see. Sorry. Okay, so we had a we collected a lot of 
um, information from TV tropes in the fanfic rack of Yo Hakusho. So, popular pairings that are canon are Yusuke Keiko, Kobara Yukina, Shizuru Sakio, Sensui. That's anime Sensui. canon only? Yeah, anime canon only. And so, this is where fanfiction comes alive. Because, I like how long this list is. Yeah, you know, because, you know, in reality... Part of why fanfiction fan works come to be is because fans are unsatisfied or they see the potential in something that did not happen. So here are the popular non-canon pairings. Wait, you Kama- missed one canon one. You didn't say Sensui and Atsuki. Oh, okay. I thought I did. You also forgot. Oh, um, yeah. You also forgot the the was it the what's his, uh, the 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 Mace Castle guy and his bird uh, wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. So these are we mentioned these specific ones because this is one can these four consistently have either some fan fiction written about them. So like for like Yenkai younger Tugro, yes, it is a canon pairing, but because those characters aren't necessarily popular subjects for fix. We didn't list mm. them there. Yeah. Yeah. This is like what you would see when you log on to fanfiction.net or wherever you read your fanfiction content. Um so popular non-canon pairings included Karama Hie, Botan Hie, Botan and Karama, Karama and Kronui, how do you I never pronounce Coronaway. Coronaway and then Toya Jin. And there's some slightly less popular, but still prominent, Yusuke Kurama, Shizuru Kurama, Kobara Kurama, Kurama Keiko, <laughs> Shizuru <What>? Botan, <laughs> and Botan and Koenma. Kurama's a popular guy. <laughs> so there's certainly a, getting around. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a term for that. So for a character that's kind of paired with like everyone in the series, so they're called the the fandom or shipping bicycle Mm -hmm. so they get like shipped with almost every other character so it's interesting that Kurama is that in this series yes I think it's because he's pretty yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so um we have fan fiction genres you have the general which is introspective drabbles and post-canon like fan fiction, like what happens after the last episode or the last manga chapter. You have shipping genres, including fluff, which is focuses on cute romantic shipping moments, like them on a little date or something like that. And then this is an old school term. It's called lemons. It's basically focus on the smexy slash <laughs> not safe for work shipping moments. So the, basically the smut of the shipping. Yeah, they're yeah. smut. So lemons are smut slash not safe for work fix. And there's like, there's people would write at the end of the description saying like it's a lemon or citrus or lime depending on how hardcore it would get. <laughs> what, what is the most hardcore you can get where it's like it's like, what's the hardcore? So the hardcore is it lemon or lime? Lemon is lemon. lemon is like the hardcore. Lime is like on the list. So like of like in, in um, so fan fiction has like the level set from like kind of similar to TV. It's from K, K plus T, 
to M. Mm-hmm. And then Wait, so we'll... it's based on the fucking ESRB ratings yes. of video <laughs> games in the early 90s before yes. they switched to, like, E. e. There's no, a... but the E is for, like, archive our own. Oh, right, so yeah. It's different. So going to, like, fan fiction history. So fan fiction is obviously, like, an age-old thing. It has its start from Star Trek. From mm-hmm. Star Trek people writing fan fictions and sharing amongst themselves, either being written and then I don't know as much history, but I'm all it, about that. Uh, all about that. Kirk that Jed, Spock. Jed, no, Jed Zia X Cisco. I can tell you guys about some very ancient fan fiction after this. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. So with the internet resurgence, there's also like sites that could be shared. So. I list them later, but I'll just mention them now. Um, so websites that were popular for hosting fan fiction. So one of being fanfiction.net, um, which was the one I'm most familiar with. And, and that's still going, too. It's, it's still, still going. Um, but because of, like, there historically there is this infamous fan fiction purge. So I don't know what started it, but basically authors had their fan fictions completely deleted off the site without warning. And... Either they their accounts were messed around with, and I think it may have been either a copyright issue or something with with like ratings and like children and censorship. So either they couldn't pass it and they had to find a new website to go onto, um, or the coding made it just so hot, or the interface became so difficult to work with. A lot of people eventually migrated to archiveofourown.org, which is now the most prominent fan fiction site that people um, go to to upload their stuff, to read stuff from. There's also livejournal.com, which is still kind of, it's not really that much traffic with it, but it's still, some people like to post on it, and people like to backtrack and find old fan works that they like used to read mm-hmm. back five, six years ago. And this is a really old one. MediaMiner.org, which I liked, but it also gave me viruses, so I stopped going on so it. Don't go on it. <laughs> nice. I sure that wasn't like the lime wires. Or <laughs> it could have been it both. Could've, it could have been everything. All the above. We okay. were very internet savvy children. Okay. And so the next genre or big piece of Yohako show fan fiction in particular was OC or original characters. And there's, like, original characters in canon plots, which is the most common. So the OC would be a spiritually powerful human who is half demon or is fully demon. And they join Yusuke's group either at the Dark Tournament or during Chapter Black. (laughs) And then there's the post-canon involvement, which is not as common. And it's usually the same thing. A spiritually powerful person, human, or a demon dealing with the integration of human and demon world. So that's a very nice way of phrasing it. It's usually not as well done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah the, I think the OC uh-huh. ones are probably the worst fan fiction of all time. Yes. The, the, or at least the genre with the most ratio to good to bad, yes. where bad favors it. Because usually, I think the way it goes is they go on there, they're everyone's best friend, and they marry <laughs> the main character or somebody like they have a crush on. So they they're, always they always get the girl at the end, like, you know, it's getting Keiko or Koto or something like that. Or maybe yeah. even, like, just getting Kurama, you know. Um, one that so, isn't... Oh, go ahead, Joe. 
Could I, so bringing up bad fan fiction and OC stuff, you know Mm -hmm. how I mentioned the phrase, quote unquote, ancient fan fiction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys know how there were books of the Bible that were later removed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are straight up. Yeah, some of them are straight up OC fan fiction where the church (laughs) on further inspection found the people who wrote it. It's like, you just fucking made this character up. They're like, no, no, I didn't. And then they found like documents showing that they did. And like, there's a lot of that in like early Christian writings of stuff that is no longer canonical of people just being like, yeah, this dude was friends with Paul. He went out and he fucking converted people and then he died. I think my my favorite my I think the funniest thing would be if it would be like like those without sin cast the first stone with my friend Paul who will be with me <laughs> until the end and then John which is very similar to my name picked up the stone because he didn't have any sins and threw it and, and then he got into a relationship with Mary and they had kids <laughs> yeah no so there's there's like fan fiction as like a thing where it's commentaries on like commercial works mm-hmm. i think you're right does go to like star trek but if you go like further back it's just straight up like a lot of religious writing between sects like where they disagreed on something people would just come up with shit that it's just like this is canon for us now and then everyone else is like you made that up they're like no we didn't we found the ancient documents and they're like what ancient documents no worries we're not gonna tell you is that the is that the same ones that you have to have a special a special golden slab that one person can only read that is one of it. many examples. Like, that one's only notable because, like, it's more modern and a lot of people know about it. But a lot of the stuff that people now consider canonical and, quote-unquote, has never been in doubt, people in, like, 100 AD would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I remember I got into an argument with somebody saying, oh, the Bible's written by God. Man was never would never, you know, pervert, perverse it or, you know, write something in there when I was trying to argue with them about it. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. I think even... Humans would even if even if that's the case and it's perfect, even translation things would be messed up. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, yeah. I'm I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess. No, I mean I think there's there's even a number of people who do believe who are also like yeah, but the human translation of the Bible is all fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's they're just dumb people. It, it's, it goes back to a certain church that I'm not. I don't have any hope for. So. Nice. Okay, so that's that's my little rant about like the ancientness of OC fanfiction. Cool. So next we're going to cross into popula- popular crossovers. According to fanfiction.net, I'm sure there's more, but this is where at least the majority of where like the US-centric fandom read their fanfiction from. Mm-hmm. So we have... Inuyasha, which is the most popular anime <laughs> crossover. That's I'm not fine. surprised. Yeah, both series share a lot of similarities with demons and, like, humans interacting with each other, high fantasy in a lot of ways and fighting. Um, the way it kind of crossed over is that um, the pre-barrier human world of Yu Hakusho is a lot like the warring states in, of Japan in the Inuyasha universe where demons existed and everything during this time so common plots included kawama telling the spirit detectives to check out kagome's time traveling <laughs> well or to get the shikon jewels because i guess they needed to go back in time to get these jewels <laughs> and then another one was kagome running into yoko Kurama in the past and then running into Kurama in modern day 
via transferred schools or something like that. Why am I getting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 vibes from this? Yeah. Oh my god. I haven't thought about that in a bit. Oh my god. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's what we I'm hockey. Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty sure that's 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 how I imagine it. So it's usually Kagome focused and they love to write how Kagome has black blue hair that shines in the sun. So oh and they make her extra goth sometimes. <laughs> make her extra goth. <laughs> so if it's She's with, going through a phase. If it's with Karama, she's like, you know what you see in the canon, like a just a kind of flighty school girl who's trying to you know Not figure die out horribly life. in the Edo period. Yeah, but if it's a Hie, she's like they have moments with her dressing up in black and red stripes and all this other stuff. They basically make her an emo kid. Yeah. She introduces MCR to (laughs) Hiei. Basically. (laughs) And so, and then sometimes she's paired with Yusuke, but it's mostly Karama or Hiei. I don't know which is more common, actually. I would say they're about equal. Mm -hmm. And then for Songo, she usually gets paired with the Yu Hakusho guy that Kagome doesn't get paired with. (laughs) So, like, paired the spares. (laughs) The sloppy seconds. Yeah. And then there's always some flavor of Inuyasha or Moroku bashing that goes on. And if also, if it's to the paired with Yusuke, there's a little Keiko bashing. Yeah. Questions. So Did you is, search... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Did you search the reverse? Like, what is the most common Inuyasha pairing with things? Because is it fucking Ranma half? No, I actually just looked up on fanfiction.com and I put... In the, in the filter, I put top, like, most favorites. And this is what the filter showed. It's like <laughs> these specific fanfic pairings were the oh, most no, no, no. common... I... Oh mm-hmm. wow, that's that's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah, I just wonder if there's a way to do a symmetrical search or not. Uh, I mean, I try to look and see if there is any like either like explanations, like a wiki page on fandom, but I didn't really see any. So a lot, just as close, a lot of this stuff is basically what I just observed on fanfiction.net, filtering things out and seeing like what counted the amount of stories that appeared on the front page when it comes to, like, how, when you filter by favorites, because that's, like, at least reflective of, like, what people were reading or, like, mostly at the time. Um, and also kind of what I remembered reading, because I remember reading a lot, because I was really into both Inuyasha and Yaga Show at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, but there's also... A lot, like, as much as we were kind of, like, hooking fun at, like, valley-ridden OCs or valley-ridden crossovers, it comes from a sense of love because I really do love OC fix when they're written really well, mm-hmm. and when they do, like, a really good crossover fic, when they kind of avoid, like, the, the cliches, it's really enjoyable, so, yeah. Like, both Sarah and I, we've read fan fiction since we were 11. Like, 2000? Even younger, maybe. Even younger. So. You guys, like, sharing fan fiction in the schoolyard, but, like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. oh, Sarah, oh, Hannah, <laughs> share yeah. this awesome... To this day, we'll be like, hey, read this thing. Oh, yeah, even nowadays, <laughs> we'll text each other, I message, hey, read this, <laughs> and then we'll... <laughs> The, it'll be a Tuesday work day, and then we'll stay up till five reading something. You know what? You gotta live your best life. I was imagining in the schoolyard, it's like, hey, check out this lemon thick. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
you talking about? <laughs> Look at each other. Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing no. about it. <laughs> we have some. We kept it a little secret, at least out in public. But now gotcha. so it was like covert. Like you're you're walking past, you hand a, a page of uh, fan fiction. <laughs> we we printed it, it out in our Catholic school library. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't show the library in this. Gotta hide it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, moving on, um, Harry Potter is the second most popular um, series that Yuhawk Show does cross get crossovers with, and so usually involves like like Yusuke and um, the the other four story detectives get sent to magic school. Oh come so, on, that's so, so dumb. So it's like Helena's like some spiritual shit's going down in Hogwarts. So I'm gonna send you guys to investigate. <laughs> so they pose them Hogwarts oh students. <laughs> I'm cringing. I can't imagine reading this. I'd be like, yeah, I can't read this. Yeah, and so like they go through the housing sorting use case usually. Usually Gryffindor. How do they um, deal it, with the fucking language barrier? Uh, they give them like internal translators. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so people can understand them, and they can understand the. the they're all talking like, like they're all talking British accents. Oh, Yusuke, where's where's the Lou at? I don't know, Kurama. Let's look for the Lou. Cool Darla and Yusuke would definitely have Cockney accents. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so if we're going more like with their shallow with cliches of like houses, Kovar be Hufflepuff, Ye be Slytherin, Karama be Ravenclaw, but I read one that I really liked and feel more true to personality is Kovar would also be Gryffindor, Ye would also be Gryffindor, and Karama would be the Slytherin. That makes sense to me. Actually, I was thinking I feel like was... Karama and Hiei are Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think Kurama definitely would be Slytherin. Hiei, I I guess maybe either, I think he'd be more Ravenclaw and, or oh. Slytherin. I, I think he'd be Slytherin but hate everyone else there. Because <laughs> yeah, the vibe I get for I don't know if maybe you guys feel the same, but Ravenclaw is sort of the, the neutral good or neutral mm-hmm. evil char- characters oh, where it's like, yeah. it's like they're not they're not necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily good in a way. It's like self-serving. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I haven't read it in a while, so maybe I might be misreading it altogether. Uh, honestly, I don't I, know enough about I, Harry Potter. Oh, I think the reason why I agree with Kiebi and Gryffindors with Gryffindors on having a lot of placing in honor, mm. having a lot of the chivalry that's tied to Gryffindor would tie to like Kiebi's like basic honor code. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like out of like all the characters besides Kuabara, he has mm. the most honor or mm-hmm. values it the most. This yeah, so- is shit I never thought we'd talk about on the show, but I'm glad we're doing this, I guess. It's fascinating. <laughs> so who would ship who? So like with like you what do you guys think Yusuke relationship <laughs> no. with uh I'm thinking I'm thinking oh, I'm trying to think. Wait, did they go to Hogwarts at the same time as Harry Potter, yes. or do they? Obviously, Joe. Why the would they fuck? write it if they couldn't? There's yeah, a lot exactly. of there's a lot of like so oh, a common a common fan fiction trope would be changing the gender of like main characters, and I saw a lot of like femme Harry. So Harry was originally a girl, and she gets paired with Karama. <laughs> of <lot>. course. <laughs> so that was a common one. Or I, like I Hermione you... gets paired with. Or you go for like typical yeah. like fair like yaoi. Like, does she also did, does she also turn goth as well? <laughs> That's when she shift with Draco. 
But yeah, I'm, I must imagine. I think Yusuke would do would, would be Hermione though, because it's sort of the mm-hmm. she sort of has that same character as as uh, as Keiko. Oh yeah. Probably a little bit, a little bit less, a little bit different, but slightly that sort of, sort of characteristic. Yeah. At least the closest. Uh, Kurobara, I'm trying to think. Um, Kurobara. Maybe on what's her name? The the Ravenclaw girl in the third or fourth book. Oh, Luna Lovegood. Oh no. It it was I think her name's like Yon something. Uh, it, it might be Luna Lovegood, maybe. So I think for pairing wise, I didn't really notice anything that kind of stood out. Mm-hmm. Besides, like female Harry paired with random, like with whoever your main character from Yu Hakusho. show. So I don't think Perry's were as prominent. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh-huh. They, they just want to have adventure shit. Maybe they watched. Yeah. A, they just yeah, got she... back from their the 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 Goblet of Fire, or got back from <laughs> a Prisoner of Azkaban's. Like you know what? Let's and they're like watching Yu Hawk show. Let's let's do it. Like let's let's see how we can make these two things work. Yeah, because I figured actually, out how they actually did creative. it. They went to the Triwizard Tournament. That's yeah. it. More <laughs> tournaments. They investigated tournament something arc. was going on. It's, it's, okay. It's, so, like, sorry to throw some cold water on this, but we need uh-huh. we, have, we have to get through some stuff pretty fast. Okay, so then Naruto is the most, third most popular, but I don't know, I haven't read any. One that made me laugh was, like, how they had Kurama from Yuhawk Show being the same um, <laughs> Kurama as you in Naruto's, like, soul. So I thought it was pretty funny. And um, Sailor Moon was surprisingly the most fourth most popular, even though the actual creators of both series are real-life married. Um, and I think the, one of the connections that I saw was, like, Yoma's Sailor Moon was translated in some English um, variations as demons, so maybe there's the connection. And then popular pairings would be any popular Sailor Scout with any popular Yu Hakusho, Vishonen, or Vishi. So usually Hiei or Karama. Um, so real quick, I'm not surprised it's fourth because like I'm pretty sure the pairings here are the proximity that they were exposed to in the English world mm-hmm. because Sailor Moon would have predated Yu Hakusho by a lot in the oh, English-speaking shoot. world. And so they wouldn't even associate them and people probably didn't know who wrote the things until later. Pretty oh, much. Do you, think, do you think a lot of the Sailor Moon one would be more harem-based then? I hope not. No, I, not really. I doubt I mean, it, yeah. The, it it kind of depends. So a lot of the fandoms, obviously, like, depending on who is part of it, would be writing the fan fiction. And I think a lot of the crossover ones were primarily written by women. If I'm mistaken, please let me know. So a lot of the pairings, if they did have harem, it'd be reverse harem. So... Gotcha. One girl paired with a lot of different guys. Oh, I see. Okay, that's that. That would make sense. I, yes. I, I just assume that the Sailor Moon was written by guys as well, since the. But maybe I can imagine that the Sailor Moon ones would be the ones that mostly mm-hmm. Sailor Moon would do more Yu Hawk show mm-hmm. versus that. I, I can imagine that there's like a pretty high amount of women writing these or girls at the time writing mm-hmm. these. Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell us about some bad tropes. Oh, okay. my favorite bad tropes. <laughs> awesome. Oh gosh. Um. So. One of the best ones is the original character is Yusuke's long-lost sister or cousin. <laughs> Worse. Yeah, another one is that Kakome is Yusuke's long-lost <laughs> sister or cousin. Um, another one is that the original character transfers to Kurama school. And then there's also Kagome transferring <laughs> to Kurama school. 
And then, and then there's also with like badly written OCs, aka Mary Sue's or Gary Stu's, or badly written self inserts. So when they use write in second person, that's really common. Um, like so, like you <laughs> fire a spirit gun, yeah. and basically they're just really overpowered and kind of take over the story and the main focus from the actual main characters. Yeah, which sometimes isn't necessarily bad. But they just, a lot of these characters are super perfect in terms of their powers and abilities and their personalities are very either super bland or they're so on the edge that every, but everyone understands so they're accepted fully even though there should be more character conflict with how terrible yeah, like they- these characters are like dicks and like everyone kind of lets them like steamroll over like yeah. You can, you know, kill that guy if you want to, even though doing that would destroy the world. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lots of uh, lots of people blowing off steam for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we understand that fan fiction is like basically fan works. No one gets paid to do this. They can write what they want, and it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. Um, but my other favorite badly written tropes is he all he says is hin, h h n dot dot dot, and that's all he says, he has, like, no other dialogue. He just, like, grunts, like, disapprovingly. Yes. It's like, hmm. And then there's one, Kuwabaka. Kuwabaka? <laughs> That's, That's so popular. Yeah, so. Is that the Star Wars X Yu uh, Hakusho crossover? No, it's just Kuwabara being, like, flanderized. He just oh, like, Kuwabaka was an idiot. Okay. Yes, exactly. And then Keiko is a bitch or a bitch, and or she doesn't even exist in these stories. Mm-hmm. Botan is a total airhead, or very she's written very ditzily. And then Yukina, she's mentioned in the story at all. She just goes and heals, and then that's it. So basically, it's it's a little bit worse than what's already written for the main storyline, then, right? Yes, it's like dialed to like a hundred and eleven. I think nice. a prominent thing is like. If we're assuming that a lot of, you know, this fan fiction is written by younger women at the time, and at the time, this is before, like, a huge feminist wave hit, it's a lot of internalized misogyny that is being played out in the, especially badly written ones. Mm -hmm. I'll be, I'm gonna just say it. It's a lot of internalized misogyny of disregarding these characters, and that kind of is fed into, like, the fact that a lot of these female characters in the show are not really developed. Mm -hmm. And so you can put in tropes such as, like, I'm not like the other girls in these uh, canon female characters kind of represent the other girls Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of sad. It is a little sad. Nowadays, it's a lot better. Fan fiction has gotten way better over the years. Yeah, and then we also have to think, like, a lot of the people who write fan fiction tend to be real... When they did read these, write these things, they're really young. Mm-hmm. So even if they're badly written, and even if they didn't follow those, like, um, negative stereotypes of what they thought of, like, other women or other girls, or they overpower their characters, it's just... It's a learning process. They haven't really learned about, like, how to make something, a character well-rounded versus making them a one-note trope. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I imagine there might not be a lot of people to talk to because, I don't, I don't know, at least for me in my mm. high school, there there's barely any or no, no an, an, people that, uh, that are uh, women that were into anime in my mm. school. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it, well, I mean, at least that they don't want to tell people about it because a lot of anime so stuff I hung out with and mm-hmm. people that there isn't a lot, a lot of women in those. It's like maybe one or two or none at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, but there's that, a lot of that sort of stuff. So I can definitely see maybe some of that. Um, and was that in sort of your case as well? Were you guys went to school at? Uh, yeah, I think like our anime club was kind of fifty fifty. So mm. it had some oh, like an equal amount of guys and girls in it. I think how much you just outwardly displayed it kind of depended on your personality mm. so a lot of people were like proud weaves and yeah. i was like thinking back like wow that actually takes a lot of guts and some people were kind of down low on it i know i personally was and yeah no i, I was pretty i was pretty on the dl mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the like i to be honest i never really watched a lot of anime mm-hmm. the only really anime i really watched back then a lot was just uh, case closed or whatever mm-hmm. was on Adult Swim at yeah. the time just because it's on. But I didn't really watch it. I really just had it on in the background. So mm-hmm. it was it was kind of sad. I think I think that's because I just got like you know I just kind of like like I just not really I wouldn't say bullied, but it kind of mm-hmm. didn't seem like a cool thing to talk about. Right, because you didn't know many people who liked it. So if you mentioned it, you didn't want to get like even just a confused look felt like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, I was going to say, for, for me in school, like, there were a lot of girls who were into anime. I'd say, like, the guys seemed more like Fairweather fans, honestly. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, watching Adult Swim and, like, uh, Toonami. And then it was girls who were watching, you know, like, deeper cuts and, like, having mm-hmm. to go to the internet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting point in, like, the history of fandoms and stuff. Uh, but I... I do think it's kind of interesting just like the way that kind of divided based on how brands were positioning themselves versus like the internet becoming a resource for getting into things that weren't as readily available legally, et cetera. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let's, uh, we already talked about websites to get some of this from. Let's go to okay. fanfic Rex real quick. Yeah. So we'll, we'll also link it um, on our, on our different website pages. Um, but TV Tropes has all these user-submitted fanfic racks. So gen- you can do by general shipping or crossovers. Um, there's also Blue Utopia. It, they ha- it's a live journal user who has kind of like the cream of, of highly regarded fanfic racks um, that you can look through. They're usually going to be older, um, probably from the early to mid-2000s. And then... Seca underscore YYH um, has less mainstream mainstream shipping fix. Um, they have a Tumblr page that you can kind of peruse around if you ever really if you are interested. And then now we're done with fan fiction. We're gonna be talking about AMVs, aka anime music videos. Ooh. So they were huge back in the day before YouTube had to care about copyrights. <laughs> uh, there's still some around, but it's a little, sometimes people had to be a little bit more careful about it. Um, but before they had to worry about like copyright strikes, um, AMVs were huge. So for you, Hawk shows specifically, they usually gear towards like more action focused or angst focused narratives and songs. And popular songs and bands included Three Doors Down, Kryptonite, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life, the Mortal Kombat theme song. I love how Mortal Kombat theme is just... <laughs> it's in everything. 
It had at least 100k views. I'm not and doubting the popularity, just more like I love how like no matter what nerdy thing people were into at that time, it was like there's guaranteed to be a music video of some sort using the Mortal Kombat theme. I did a, I did a martial arts showcase of that song. That's awesome. So no, I, I'm, to- I'm totally sick of that song. I absolutely hate it. I, I kind of love people- it, but ironically... I, I, I don't. I, I ironically and unironically hate it. It's I can't listen to it anymore. It's I, it's so overplayed, but yeah, one, one of the popular things I've noticed mm-hmm. with AMVs was um, a lot of DDR and your DDR stuff yeah. and things of that nature. So like a lot of you know Butterfly, Mister Wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some initial D stuff, so like Night of Fire. Wait, was Smile like DK's like, Butterfly the one that was like I I yeah 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 because actually goes right into the most popular and amazing Hiei tribute AMV is to the Butterfly song. Fucking, <laughs> I hate everything. Yeah, the, there, there's a thing that I, I looked at. Was like you can type in any song in the world and type AMV, and there's guaranteed to be an AMV of it. Like there's, it's like a guarantee sort of thing. So if you name a song like uh. Uh, I'm trying to think on top of my head. Like maybe like a, a Billy Billy eyelashes. Uh, um, was it the nice guy? Yeah, yeah, nice guy. Guarantee you, there's an AMV of that. Bad guy. Bad guy. Did I say nice guy? I meant bad guy. Sorry, <laughs> but I guess, I guess if you think about it, one of the two is the same thing. A, but uh... <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I don't know what to say. AMVs are really like. I know a lot of them are very. Um, they're really high quality now. Um, That's because those are the few ones that get made now. Back in the day, everyone was making them, and they were all they were like ninety nine percent bad and one percent really good. (laughs) And ninety five percent had Lincoln Park in them or Skillet. Why not? (laughs) So Skillet Monster was a popular song, and for Lincoln Park, I don't know that one actually. It was. I think it's. I don't know really either. Like I don't. Did you hum it for me or something? I don't know. This isn't a (laughs) joke. Just uh, just have me. Just, you know what I mean? just, do you just want me to go into the mic and just do wub sounds into the microphone? <laughs> oh, okay, if that's what it is, then we're good. We're good. I think it was like hard. Maybe new metal. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But Lincoln Park was popular. So numb. Somewhere belong. Faint. In the end. All very angsty. All very on point. I still think Limp Bizkit's have the best AMVs. Oh, that's true. They God had damn it. My, my way. Uh, but I was going to say, so a podcast I, I was listening to like a couple of years ago where it was two dudes who had never watched Dragon Ball Z watching it through the entire way through. They were watching Kai. Um, so they, they worked in, they've worked in the video games press. So they're like adjacent to nerd shit but, like, not anime nerd stuff, so they went through mm-hmm. and did that, and, like, while they were watching through, one of them was like, do you think they, like, did Linkin Park music videos with this? And one of them was like, yes. I know for a fact <laughs> they actually did. And there's there's actually there's actually a, a cross one with GT. It's 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 a Dragon Ball GT slash 9-11 Linkin Park num. Okay, <laughs> wow. Anyways, I'm not uh, even joking that exists. I believe you, fan art. Yeah, I totally believe it, too. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking horrible. But anyways, fan art. So DeviantArt.com was huge back in the day. Um, the U-Hawk Show fan club on DeviantArt has a lot of popular um, art from early 2000s and I think probably late in the 2000s too. Mm-hmm. Um, in Japan, Dosinji artists are still going to this day. Either they focus on a lot of shipping related or general Um like comics and then we also know some people on facebook um 
who who make like art and sell it like as t-shirts and like designs and stuff so there's uh jerem castro who we've actually mentioned on the show before he operates uh Minoy's tea i think he also has like another brand slash site uh check his stuff out he does some really good yu show stuff including like genkai school of hard knocks and all that stuff he even did the uh the, our picture for the black cha- the bla- chapter black the the thumbnail for the or chapter black uh, episode oh yeah that's true yeah he's episodes. he's generally a really cool guy so check out his stuff um there's Buy all of his shirts yeah there's another one called uh i don't know how to pronounce this because i've never heard it said out loud but it's r-h-o-b designs i, I think in rob designs maybe Rahab. I'm, yeah i'm not sure Rahab. they're 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 from the philippines as well uh because you show as we've talked about before was big in the philippines and so they did one where it's a picture of Toguro uh, with his hat, like with a baseball cap on backwards and then some Tagalog underneath from the uh, Filipino Yu Show dub. And the name of this shirt is Taguro. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> funny. But yeah, check that stuff out too. There's some really good designs there as well. And then on the other side of creativity is cosplay. So there's some really popular characters with very popular outfits. So with Yusuke, his green uniform, um, his, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's like when he returns from, is it from when he's exactly from being dead? Yes. And he's wearing, his hair is down. He's wearing a green jacket and sunglasses. Is that the one where he like throws up in the air at the the the, the, uh, the tournament? I was about to say tournament of power. The uh, the 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 one demon tournament. Uh, the first tournament. Mark. Mm, I think it's oh, was it he, when he comes back from Genkai's thing. Mm, okay, I see. Or is back from being dead? Because I remember oh, this no. is like when he, when Kuar's cat gets kidnapped. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. And he has to beat those guys up. Yeah. So that's a really popular one too, just because it's a cool looking general. Very in fashion now. Like you think like a green bomber jacket, yeah. a red plaid that you would tie at your, at your waist and sunglasses. That'd be st- that's styling now. Yeah. And then his dark tournament outfit with like the yellow shirt and like the... Blue pants. Mm-hmm. The only thing I have issue with is the sunglasses because they have to be Gucci. That's how <laughs> say the famous That's phrase. exactly why it's popular now. It's because that Tumblr yeah. meme. So yeah. this is not a conflation of various Asian pop cultures, but straight up all the civilian clothes of the four main characters could be easily worn by a K-pop band in 2019 and be just seen as normal. We should do that as a meme on our on our face on our Facebook page. It's it's like it's like no one every K-pop band ever, and it's just the boys in their civilian uniforms. <laughs> no, I'll just show a picture of like the gang and be like, I'll tell my kids this is this BTS. Is BTS. <laughs> 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 oh man! And like Kovara, usually if they cosplay him, it's his blue uniform or his white. Dark tournament outfit, which kind of resembles like a Bozuzoku outfit. That outfit's bomb. That outfit's bomb. Hell yeah! It's like probably one of like the most his most iconic look. Mm -hmm. And then Kurama, his pink uniform, the yellow dark tournament outfit, and then his Yoko him be him is Yoko Kurama. Yay! It's just classic black, the one he pretty much wears throughout the entire series. I, I was going to say, I would describe Kurama's outfits as fairy tale Chinese rather than oh, Japanese. Because, yeah. like, a lot of them are just like, oh, this is what outfits looked like when China first visited Japan in, like, the early, like, you know, in fucking 300 AD. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I always thought the Karama's clothing felt really Chinese. Mm-hmm. It gets know? even more obvious that that's what they were going for when you get to the Karama analogous character in Hunter x Hunter. Mm. It's kind of like with a lot of animes, they kind of have a vaguely Chinese character. Yeah. Even if or in Naruto's case, three of them. <laughs> and Hiei, okay, so you mentioned Hiei. Kara- um, Botan had her, has her like pink fairy girl kimono. Keiko, her school uniform. I think pe- more people should do the, the, the Negan, Negan Botan for sure. Oh, oh, the one where yeah. she's wearing like that slick, yeah, the the, sl- out, the, the red jacket on red, and the, white the pants, boots. yeah, that Hell was yeah. that was sick. Um, and then Koenma had a post puberty Koenma, so adult Koenma, not baby Koenma. I've seen people with, like the plush of it, and it's like him with that costume. Oh, really? Oh, that's cute. Uh, yeah, someone dressed up as fucking an oni, a blue oni like ogre, and like had like a little <laughs> swaddling thing of Koenma. That'd be amazing. The, the, uh, the only thing, though, is that they'd, pr- they'd have only a loincloth on, so it'd be kind of awkward walking around. New plan. I'm doing it. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh, I'll be... I'll be your... I'll be... Uh, I gotta get hella buff and have a child. Hella buff. <laughs> have, have a child. That would be cool. And then... <laughs> So, Genkai is like... <laughs> I just realized how that was worded. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm like, I'm still really tired from the other... No, no I did that on purpose. So I say something stupid. Young Genkai, you... It's Y-U-N-G, Genkai. And then O-G, Genkai. So, younger, older. Um, and then Yukina with her classic kimono. And then less common cosplays that are just as cool is... Makuro, Jin, Koto, Juri, and Shizuru. I actually saw Koto at uh, at um, uh, I think it was Taiyokan that I went. Ooh, oh, that's cool. I think I sent that's you guys awesome. pictures, right? Yeah, you did. You sent us pictures. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, that that was a really cute one. I'll post that back. I'll post that up on the celebration on the 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 Facebook page. I don't have her info, so um, mm. hopefully she won't sue us. But you know, yeah, respect for anyone who does Makuro cosplay because that's hard because you got to get half your body to look like it's burned or disfigured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other half has to be like mechanical, which is also really hard to do. Oh yeah. Just uh, just steal some Terminator cosplays <laughs> and just strap it to the other side of your body. That actually does sound like a cool cosplay hack. Ooh, that, yeah. I mean, it would work. That's. Yeah. I was gonna say the other one is you could probably just literally burn yourself, but you know, yeah. that's too dedication. But <laughs> all I right, it. notable group cosplays. So, <laughs> this, so these are like cosplays that I either found because they were mentioned in a popular website. Like so, comicbook.com featured a cosplay group from Australia. So I'll read their Instagram handles. It's a man double A Tao Kos who cosplay is he at Night Kozer who cosplay is Yusuke Miyukes who cosplay as Krama and is just Min who cosplay as Kuwabara and they mention how they kind of look like straight out of a Yu Hakusho ending theme wearing their classic um, outfits and they just look really cool and then we'll also link everything in our description um, when, we put, when we get this episode up and then forever for never wasn't the actual description it just reminded me it mm-hmm. so these are cosplayers from japan they had like a whole photo shoot where basically it had characters like yusuke kubara karama hiei genkai koenma botan keiko yukina and shizuru and then i don't know if they have enough time to go through all the yeah, twitter we'll, handles we'll, we'll just share yeah, them no, on, yeah, on the description we'll link it. it's a lot of people um but they you also feel have, oh sorry oh they have all their 
outfits based off as the last half of the dog tournament. Um, so that's what I found really cool because it wasn't as common outfits, at least for the female characters. And yeah, and all our last parts, so fan communities, fan websites. So obviously there's Facebook with the Yuha Hakusho fan community, the who is which is by the admins of the Watch Yuhaka Show Facebook page. Um, they also have another website you can check out. It's the www.hakusho.net. This is um, mostly if you like actually want to watch videos of the show illegal. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Anyways, you get the idea. If you want to be a ho- a pirate and the pirate slice for you, <laughs> go to yuhakashow.net. I didn't realize that. I thought it was a forum when I looked at it. Exactly. I think, I think I'm more familiar with their web with their web page. They might have started out as a pirate thing that became. Mm-hmm. I forgot the history. There's like a like long history. I'll just say if you like riding pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> you'd love that website. And then some other Yuhaka Facebook groups are just Yuhaka Show, the Yuhaka Show Spirit Posting. So Yuhaka Show Spirit Posting is like a shit posting group, but like it's still pretty good. <laughs> Yuhaka Show Ghost Fighter. So that one's like the Filipino uh, Facebook group. So if you go there, a lot of posts will be in English, but a lot of them will be in Tagalog as well. But you'll kind of get an idea of the fan community in the Philippines as well, which we didn't really have much enough time to talk about here. And then Yuhaka Show around Nijinkai. Uh, Ningenkai. So that means Ningenkai. like around human world. I think that one's like Spanish focused, but like a lot oh. of posts are in English. And then Yuhaka Show Brazil. I wonder what that, what that group's about. <laughs> so that one is simultaneously a lot of people making cool fan content, including music and like videos. And then a lot of people just posting rips of the episodes in Portuguese. Fair. And then there's also on Reddit, the Are You Haka Show. Where you will not find our podcast. Uh, you'll find like two episodes of it because they take down postings that we do sometimes and other times they're like, this is cool. Yeah, I don't know. They're they're weird. And then Live Journal. And this is, they're not, I think it's because Live Journal want this thing where it changed hosts. And then just a lot of users left. But there was a prominent Yu Hakusho fan community, um, the Yu Hakusho fans.livejournal.com. Um, and then Tumblr, which kind of took over a lot of fan communities from Live Journal. Um, so there's. What about like, the dead journals? Are there any Yu Hakusho dead journals? <laughs> there's Insane Journal and Dream With. <laughs> nice. I, I, I can't tell if you guys are making anything up anymore. No, no, it's legit. Dream journal and Dream With actually exist. Yes, they do exist. And this is, okay, I know a lot of LiveJournal because I didn't use it for much fan communities as much as I did forum-based roleplay. And a lot of times, because those, these, LiveJournal had a kind of interface that made it really easy to do that. And then when LiveJournal got basically bought by Russian people, (laughs) they, a lot of people were like, everything's changing, we gotta move! Everything's in Russian. Yeah, a lot of it. it. (laughs) And so they moved over to Insane Journal, which has a less user-friendly... It's also just not as pleasant-looking to look at, honestly. It's less Russian as well, so... Yes, but it is less Russian. And you get more... You can get at least 100 icons in your profile versus just the standard 15. What's a lot of icons. And then Dreamwith was started by LiveJournal users... If anyone knows if my history is on, let me know. But basically, they kind of made it more focused for RPing. Mm. So, 
just a little more fan history. And then for Tumblr, there's the Yu Hakusho Love Tumblr, and then the Yu Hakusho, the YYH Love Tumblr, and then the Yu Hakusho Love Tumblr. So both of these are just general uh, appreciation blogs. They kind of blog either fan art or original fan, uh, original merchandise or original like content from the show. Um, there's the YYH screen caps or the uucaps.tumblr.com. So it's basically screen caps from the sh- from the anime. And then one of my favorite ones, which hasn't been inactive in a, like since 2015, but was one of my favorite. It's basically the sartorial blog. So it's all about the fashion of Yu Hakusho. It breaks down the character, each character's outfits, and some of them could be like if you want to dress up like Yusuke, here's what you could buy based off what outfit you like from him. Is that the one where it's like the expensive suits, where it's like steal his look and it's like yeah, basically, it's like how to steal his or her look. <laughs> um, and then one of my favorites is Gaia Online. I don't know if you guys ever use that, but oh man, that's such a great fan community, such a good welcoming community. <laughs> it like basically was um for for like anime anime fans, and they had like little avatars that you can use, and they had like other you can collect coins, and you can join forums and guilds, which were like more private communities with people of same interests. So there was a forever for never you show fan guild, which I was a part of. I didn't really post anything on it. I just lurked. Oh, you guys really had Gaia's? Yeah, we had... I actually... I'm very proud of this. Yesterday, I remembered the password to my own Gaia <laughs> line account. Nice. Which me and Hannah shared, because we shared everything. Back and then you delete all the posts, right? <laughs> no. no, I went back, and basically, it was really... It's really fun. So, if there's any other, like, fan keys that you guys like to go to, I know, like, there's, like, websites on Angel Fire that were back up or GeoCities that I couldn't really find um, the links to, but... That would have been really cool if we could oh. find some of the backed up ones. I want yeah. to shout out something real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot. There's a couple of Yu Show pages that we follow on Facebook mm-hmm. um, that are, like, we're sort of friends with, I guess. Like, there's Yu Show Core who, like, reposts some of our stuff sometimes. We repost a lot of his stuff, but he does, like, a lot of, like, caps from Yu Show and then, like, makes them to memes. I, um, I, like how, I like how the majority of them are about his girlfriend. I think it's about his life at this point because <laughs> it's kind of got to know... Like, I think he did, like, a year of, like, oh, here's, like, Yu Show relevant stuff, and then now it's more like, you get that... You know that feeling? Well, here's an image that goes with that feeling. And it's, like, that's think- a totally valid use, I guess. Yeah, I think it's really cute, to be honest. I like the... I always think it's kind of, kind of funny. Uh, it's, I think one of my favorite ones he has is, like, it's like when, you, when your girlfriend's trying to read and you're trying to bring up random crap about uh, this or that. Oh, no, no. Like, I fucking reblog that one. I, I, like, put that on our page. And then I just put a huge screed about someone in G Gundam... I uh, know in Zeta Gundam, who is, like, the masked fighter, but an even worse disguise. <laughs> yeah, no. He, he has a lot of cool posts, so shouts out if you're listening to the podcast. And keep making those memes. I think they're really funny. Yeah, we really enjoy them. Uh, but yeah, with that said, uh, I I think that's the end of our uh, coverage of Yu Show itself for like the time being. We're going to move on. Uh, who wants to take this outro? Because it's a pretty heavy one, but we can you know each get a little bit in on it if you want. I think Rocky's taking it right now. He's barking. 
It's a Patrick's roommate's dog. Very cute. Very, <laughs> very cute. loud. Yes, very loud. He'll bark at anything. It's like, <laughs> sees slight mo- motion, just starts barking like a madman. Yeah, so after this episode, we're actually going to be moving on to other works by Tagashi. First being Hunter x Hunter, or Hunter x Hunter. Depends on what you like to do. So we'll be starting with like the first four episodes, right? Uh. Yeah, no, like, um, we, we, the schedule, we'll, we'll figure out how to talk about that. Cause, like, uh, I have, like, a scheduling idea, but we can sort of get more into that as we go. Um, it's gonna mostly follow the same patterns of the show. So, uh, for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen Hunter Hunter, one, I think you guys will really like it if you're fans of Yuhawk Show. And for anyone who has seen Yuhawk Show, but has, like, tried to get into Hunter Hunter before, I promise you that if you actually just follow us, like, past, like, the first arc, like, it will start evoking the things you really like about Yu Show. Because I know there's a lot of people, because of the way that Yu Show was originally presented in the U.S., who can't get into Hunter x Hunter because it starts out feeling a lot more like a classic anime as opposed to, like, this hardcore action series that, like, Toonami sort of positioned Yu Show as. But mm-hmm. the further you get into Hunter x Hunter, the more you see, like, the common strings common narratives and like common feelings uh so we're really looking forward to exposing like a new audience of people to it revisiting it for some and like mm-hmm. we really want you to come with us so uh i'm looking forward yeah, and, to it and we understand that if you want to if you're just here for you hot show and you're ready to get off the boat we kind of understand that we do ask that you keep following it because i kind of want to i just want to say here we want to get like people interviewed from the show in a way like maybe talk to them a little bit and have it on podcast episodes to have it like a I guess a behind the scenes or maybe a historical document for you, Haka Show in a way. Yeah, and I think for a lot of us, so Joe has obviously watched a lot of Hunter Hunter, but for me, um, and Patrick, have you watched any? No, I just know about the the Green Frogman and uh, Gone. Yeah, and I haven't watched. So, so like, the three of us, Sionjo and Megan, have not watched any Hunter at all. Hunter or Hunter at all, really. So we're all kind of in the same boat where it's it'll be completely new to us, completely unfamiliar. And any reservations that we had about this series, we're just going to throw out the door and explore something new. And maybe even talk into kind of, of course, all comparisons will never be, like, perfect. But, of course... You can't. We'll probably talk about how things were related to Yaka Show and how they differ. I guarantee you that there's going to be dumb jokes for the episode titles still. Yes. So I guarantee <laughs> you there's going to be an episode called Gone with the Wind. I guarantee you that. Yeah. That that's, is a promise. Especially when you find out his dad's name, you'll also have puns for that one too. What's his dad's name, or you want to keep that spoil free? Well, no, I mean, they talk about it pretty early. So his dad's name, as it's pronounced, and his dad's name, as it's spelled, are actually pretty different. So as it's pronounced, it's Jing, which, you know, there's not really a good pun there. But as it's spelled, it's G-I-N-G, so like ging. And so you can easily turn it into going. So going gone. And I think that's what you're trying to do. Ging with the wind. Ging, ging, gone. No, ging, going, ging, gone. That'll be a nice title, too. So also, like, very late in the series, they introduce, like, a historical character who they've not established when they lived or what their relation to people is, but their name is Don, D-O-N, and he has the same last name as Jing and Gon. Gotcha. So I'm going to call him Will Don. Yeah, so it might be it might be going, gone, and done. Fair. But yeah, that, that, there are definitely a lot of possibilities of me in making fun of people's names. 
I'm usually good at that. It's my strong point of these podcasts. It's what keep bringing me back. I'm at, I do that. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. Watch some Hunter Hunter. Might have a new cast member, maybe. Maybe. Not not a definite. Maybe might have a new cast member. We'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how to schedule that because there's so many people in this room already. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's only three right now. And pr- probably at the maximum four. Yeah. So we thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the U-Hawk show. Your support means all three worlds, human, demon, and spirit, to us. Um, so... Please hit us up with any questions or requests or just chat us at our Facebook at the Yuhaka Show with two O's or at our Twitter at the Yuhaka Show or buy us some coffee at Kofi.com, the Yuhaka Show. And remember that you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else that podcasts aren't sold. Real real quick, I just want to mm-hmm. give a shout out to uh, both my old friend uh, Sam Patel and uh, one of our listeners, Mary Deanna, I think that's, that's what her name is. Yeah, that's that's how we know her, but like maybe that's not actually her legal name. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for uh, donating to our Kofi. That's going directly towards uh, hosting costs. I, I transferred the money to Patrick recently, so he's going to put. It's that already been blown costs. on video game stuff. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, it's 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 definitely going to good use. I'm hopefully going to get some equipment before the start of the next cast. Yeah, so if you guys feel free, uh, if you guys like want to uh, donate to this endeavor and like what we do and want to hear more of it, then uh, go for it. Uh, regardless, uh, we hope to bring you some new content in the coming year and offer 2020 hindsight, baby! Woo! But looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. No. <laughs> uh, but no, we're very, very excited. Uh, definitely going to, when the next year rolls around, there's going to be a lot of C-Lab jokes, so get ready for that. Hopefully... Strapped in for that one. Hopefully there's a lot of water episodes so I can make that joke. I know there's at least one water battle in Hunter Hunter, right? Hunter Hunter starts out watery and then gets not watery. Gotcha. Well, hopefully it'll still be a little bit watery so I can make that joke, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next year. I'm
Yeah.